Welcome back to the Ike Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tiny Dancer by Elton John, Jay. Joining as always is my co-host, the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Z. How are you doing today, Z? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, we're doing better than Ruth Bader Ginsburg is right now. That is objectively true. Well, actually, depends. She's not. She could be. I mean, really, it's a matter of perspective. She could be in Jewish heaven. I was going to say, if she's in heaven, then I guess she is doing better. They don't, well, believe, really they don't, they don't believe in heaven the same way no, Christians do. I read a thing today. I didn't. I didn't... Um, Care to like fact check it? Oh God, no! But but you know how like Mormons, you know, think you gotta kind of be Mormon to get into heaven. Yeah. Apparently, they also have a special hell though that you also can only get into by being a Mormon, but being like a real bad one. So is it worse? Is like super hell? I think it's like super hell. Oh, so I'm safe then. So that's like safe the... from super hell, but you'll probably go to normal hell on account of not being a Mormon. Yeah, but I know if there's a, if there's I don't a... know if they actually believe that. I probably I don't really care. Get Brando Sando on the horn. See what he says about this. They do. Okay, so they, they they don't think they're the only ones who get into heaven, so that's good. Yeah, you get your own planet, right? Oh, that's Scientology. That's Scientology. Oh. You get your own planet with all your friends? Or your family? But then what does your family get? Do they get their own planet? When does the buck stop on planets? Yeah, how, how extended is his family? Yeah, like, but if, if everyone in your family gets a planet, but also your whole family's on the planet... Well, I think you all are on the same planet. Oh. I don't think... So oh, every family gets their own ancestral planet, essentially. I would I would think so. Man... Doesn't sound very well thought out when you said it out loud. Sounds like bullshit. Well, really cool guy, I think. Best guy around. People destined for the celestial kingdom go to hell for the millennium. After the millennium, hell ends for them, and then they are resurrected to a celestial glory. Telestial? Right, yeah. Motherfucker took the sea out of celestial and was like, this will be gas. Spirit prison, not hell. Spirit prison. God, they got the prison show complex in the afterlife? This is for basically everyone that isn't LDS covenant keepers until after the millennium regardless. Not bad people. That's why ordinances for the dead are important so they can escape spirit prison becoming LDS after death. Is there spirit parole? What the fuck? <laughs> that sounds so complex. Uh, watching the Bills game right now, listeners. Any act attackers who only follow the Bills through us. Uh, we're down against the Bengals. That's true. Which is no good. E-gads. But anyway... Oh, oh, here it is, here it is. Maybe it's this part. Mortals who during their lifetime become sons of perdition, those who commit the unpardonable sin will be consigned to outer darkness. Outer darkness, huh? Matthew eight twelve, where Jesus teaches that while many from all corners of the earth will sit down with Abraham in the kingdom of heaven, the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness where there be weeping in their teeth. Well, I know the gnashing of teeth. Matthew. Jesus loves talking about the outer darkness. It sounds like no wonder Brendan's so good at making this shit up. <laughs> that shit all sounds made up. Sounds like some shit Odin would break out. So maybe, so yeah, maybe this is what they were talking about. That you go to the outer darkness if you're a, if you're a taught Mormon, but you still like fuck up bad enough. Maybe yeah, they send you out when you're not the line of God, line of the Lord, or whatever. And you don't kill a woman line of, or baby. Line of Judah. Or yeah. When you don't go to Missouri, which is New Zion. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, they sold it all. They sold New Zion because <laughs> the property rates weren't good. <laughs> what a shit show. But it's real, guys. I promise. We need more. We need more wives. Go fucking. Uh, if you're listening to this show, and then you must, you know, have interest in podcasts on some level. So go listen to a much larger podcast than ours called <laughs> Date Over Dogma. Listen to like one more informative. This is looking at the thing like, how can I broaden my horizons? Not the one for you. It's run. It's you know, the guy who hosts it is himself uh, Mormon. So he'll speak your language. But he's very knowledgeable on biblical scholarship in a way that. Well, frankly, we're not. We're not, but also seems to often contradict um, that. So, so he's a he's a he's a fascinating guy. I don't I don't really. Anyways, humans and their multitudes and so on and so forth. Speaking of gods, 
Wow, what Loki a transition. Loki, I'm, you were right. Episode 5, science slash fiction. Begone, Mormonism. We're, we're Norse pagans here. The, the weakest, we're the weakest Norse paganism enjoyers <laughs> against the strongest Mormon fans. And so we're like the Chad Wojaks. We're and the, then, I'm the, Ch- the Chad Jack. Yeah, and then they're the... the screaming, crying Wojak. Yeah. What does Wojak stand for? What is it? What's, I don't know. Is it a combination of words? My turn to Google. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Loki, episode five, called Fuck... Science slash fiction. I said it first. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, that's actually what it was. Good job. Science slash fiction. Okay, so that's talked about in the episode. Good. No, good work. I wasn't even trying to... I literally couldn't remember. I was about to do one of the jokey things we do again. We don't do jokes. <laughs> no, we just are jokes? What? Okay. Wojak, from Polish, Wojak... Loosely, soldier or fighter? Are you... Okay, but are you certain that's the same thing? Or is this just referencing a different different, different thing? Uh, so, according to the history of it, Wojak's first appearance was in 2010, published by Christian Grodecki, very Polish guy, mm-hmm. nicknamed Wojak, a Polish user of the now defunct German image board Krautchan. Krautchan? <laughs> wow, okay, no, so it is. Okay, yeah. excellent. So, um... Oh, you got more about Wojax? No, no, it's not, not nothing more that that was interesting. So basically, it's just because of, so it, the the word doesn't have anything to do with what they are. It just is that it is the screen name of the guy who came up with them. Yeah. Okay. Now the more you know, Crouchan. See, and who said we weren't informative? Oh, I would. Well, no, you did like a minute ago. That's why. Oh shit. <laughs> anyway, Loki episode five. You don't get any biblical scholarship, but you can get a. You know, a vague we'll, history of we'll Wojak. read off a know your meme entry <laughs> to you. <laughs> and hey, if you want that from your podcast, buddy, start downloading. So, end of last episode, the whole everything exploded, and now we're here, and it's like Loki's uh, by himself. So, kind of, kind of all is gone nutty, but also not quite. All is, all is falling still to the there, road, but it's just of. him, right? Yeah, and he's wandering around. He's ending up in little time loops. He's getting all he, he doing did. that thing where he's spazzing out. He said a time slip again, which he hates. Yeah, time like, slip. That's it's it. like, oh, fuck, I thought I was done with this. And then he, like, does a loop of himself accidentally. And then all of the TVA, like, dissolves into, like, threads. And uh, everybody's gone. <laughs> and he doesn't know where he's going. And he time slips just somewhere. Uh, I will say, I was right about what happens in this episode. I called it. But I said what happened happened. Which part? The part where I say that everybody gets reset and we see them all in their original timelines. Did you say that? I did say that. I said, we'd see Owen Wilson. You said, no, Jack, that's stupid. I hate you. Did it? You're wrong. Never speak so much again. Damn. Well, I guess in this case, you were very much right. And I was I was so incorrect. Chad Wojak. Uh, but yeah, that's what we do, right? We jump around to uh, everyone's timeline. So first we see Casey. Casey who's an Alcatraz a, criminal. He's one of those guys who tried to escape on that raft, I guess, and probably drowned at sea. Or maybe he didn't. At least in the branch timeline, he didn't. No, they do make it to their side, don't they? Yeah. So in his branch, they don't drown and get eaten by sharks. I mean, it's unclear in the real world what happened to yeah. those guys either. So They could have become like Shark Boy and were raised by the sharks. Live among <laughs> them. Those grown men were raised by sharks. Sharks can live for a long time. They're like that Icelandic one. Yeah, it's that's like true. 500, 500 years old. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, so there's that. And Loki's jumping around. No, they don't recognize him. Yeah. There's OB is next. No, I think it's... um. Is it Owen Wilson? No, it's Hunter... Oh, B15? Yeah. She's just a, she's a nice doctor. Lady. Nice doctor. Pediatrician. In 2012. So when we cut to that one, 
So after we got him setting out on, to, you know, to cross fucking San Francisco Bay in a shoddily made prison raft, mm. and then we cut to her, and she's in New York in 2012, I thought what we were going to get is a series of, of these individuals dying, or that's what this be- episode was going to kind of build towards, Yeah, and that was going to be the explanation of, of why they're in the TVA, is because the TVA plucks you out of time at the moment of your death. Oh, that'd be good. Because, you know, what happened to, in New York in 2012. Yeah big alien attack and that would also be interesting because it would be loki's fault right oh, maybe kid kills friend and that would be something he would have to like grapple with but it, that's not uh, what they ended up doing yeah with it but, i i feel like beef I've, i had a different idea of like why they joined the tv i thought what i got from the episode is to like all of their lives were pretty terrible and that's and that's who kang picks up people's who who would be like that's well, a good point too well, my life sucks but also brad become brad's an actor but he might be from a timeline where he isn't an actor. I don't think he was. Yeah, I think that's just something he he did did himself. Obviously, oh, that's true. Because but then like Hunter, he just, she just has a regular time with, in like a hospital. Yeah, she doesn't seem. Yeah, you're right. But all the other ones are like the other ones got that, some stuff going on. But also like it's one of those things where it's kind of on a yeah. Well, which so like for Owen Wilson. Okay, so we cut to him, and he's a and this is interesting because it ties into obviously his whole ski do thing, right? Yeah, and it's because he. Come in his original timeline, he was just a he just worked at like a power sports dealer, and he yeah. just sold like jet skis and ATVs, ATVs and, and stuff to people. So, and it's like on the surface, it seems like kind of a shitty life of like, oh look at he's got annoying kids and his job's kind of dumb or whatever. But also, I mean, realistically, he's yeah he's got two kids and stuff. Like it's not the yeah. type of thing you would actually just be like, man, do I hate my life so much I actually am going to abandon my children forever? Yeah. So. It seems like I'm. We don't really get an an answer one way or the other. But I, were they all just stolen, like out of time? Feels like it. Is yeah, them I mean, and told them stuff like, "Oh, this is this for the best, though." And and like they just grab you and then they brand and then they trim your timeline, your timeline, and so there's nothing for you to go back to, anyways, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, probably exactly how Loki describes it, right? Like, oh, we can take you and then you know just put you back exactly the exact moment we took you from, except. They never have to do that. Yeah, because you're gone. Because they just branch your, they just yeah, trim your whole timeline out of existence. So mm-hmm. you never had kids at all. Because you never shit. existed. You have a weird kid who likes who's a pyromaniac likes to burn <laughs> shit. He's try. He is struggling a bit. You gotta you gotta mm-hmm. say, but it's just one son will chase the other one around. Yeah, if you bribe him with animals, small animals. I don't yeah, know if I'll that's g- the move. I don't know if that's a house. Those animals are definitely getting killed. <laughs> He's cutting those animals up. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Ob is a failed science fiction writer right. who was putting his books onto shelves and be like, "Oh wow, you know, you should read this book." Which is this doesn't work on any level, does it? No, he's a he's a he's a PhD, but he's like, "This will work." Because if he's just sneaking them in there, I mean, clearly it's more about make getting like trying to get recognition, I guess, mm-hmm. hoping that it'll it'll take off. Yeah, like you can just grassroots it into, into getting enough people to want to buy them, but. Listen, you can't sneak your own book in and then try to pay for it. That's ridiculous. Because the Barclay on business. the off chance that what the teller you've just impressed is going to now want to seek it out herself and pay for one, you've just broken even OB. That's all you've done. That's all you've done. And he's and they're such high quality. How much money did you put into those? Yeah, he's they're hardcover. Like this, is, these are all self-published, are they? Yeah, those are like genuinely hard. They didn't have vanity presses like that back in the nineties. It wasn't a no. thing yet. We weren't so far gone in society that every dumbass thought that they actually could print a book. But here we are. Uh, but he also is a PhD uh, having... Physicist. Physicist. <laughs> uh, there's the fun moment where Loki's like, fuck, you're a writer. You're useless to me. He goes, actually, I also do science. He goes, oh, you're a scientist. Cool. 
He's like, yeah, you know, just until this really takes off, I can do writing full time. I <laughs> uh, said, we missing everyone. And then he goes and finds Sylvie. Yeah, Sylvie's later. the last one, right? But Sylvie remembers him. And all the other ones don't remember him, but Sylvie does. So it's a classic thing, you know, trying to convince everyone that he knows them and it's important or whatever. And he does the thing he's basically been doing all season, which is trying to convince everyone that, like, hey, we need you to save the world. It's important. You know, hey, Sylvie, but we're trying to save the world, though. Hey, fucking Victor Timely, we're trying to save the world, though. We're trying to save you know, all of existence. Me. Hey, you. Uh, and it, you know, works to a, a certain extent with most of them. Mm. Either just like, I guess I'll just come with you. Or like, again, obviously you, uh, him and him and Dan have the most discussion about it where he's like, hey, come on. It's like a, you have a good time. It'll be great. Your real name's Mobius. That's your, that's your name. It is his real name, though. Loki, I think this is, like, I don't know. I, Loki doesn't seem to really appreciate what's going on, I feel. Yeah. Almost. He's like, he's like you're Mobius. Why don't you remember this? He's like, I don't know. This is the life you were supposed this to live. This is their actual lives. That they, again, they were stolen from. Like, it's... The whole point of Mobius is that he doesn't have like a past. Like he's got, he has no idea. He doesn't want to find it. Just likes pie. Just likes pie a lot and uh, jet skis. And ultimately, that's that's the. I mean, that's the conflict of this episode, right? That's what he comes to mm, terms with. Appreciate when he meets Sylvie, and she's like, "Oh no, I just remember normal." Like, yeah, I know you are Loki. He goes, "Oh, I've, you kind of threw me off my game. I was going to explain it all." And, well, anyway, which is weird, though. Again, I mean, I mean, obviously, she she realizes the error of her ways, but um. I don't know. She's she's so determined to just be like, ah, I just don't want to worry about it. Just gonna do it my own thing. But it's like, if that happened, you don't think I'd give you pause? You know what I mean? Like if you were present and you were like, Yeah, I watched the that the temporal loom thing that seemingly could, you know, bound together all of existence. Just kinda exploded and then I don't know. I was here, but I figured it would probably be fine. It like, probably work out. It's like a time loop thing. Probably don't need to follow up on that. Like <laughs> I sure, sure I had like a drink and a meal and then it disappeared foolish but even though she's like and she's so like what do you what do you and he's like i gotta save the tva and it's like do you know did we did we even like the tva really we think about it and he's like oh well i wanted to because i gotta i gotta stop he remains she's like yeah but be complete like what do you what do you really want and he comes clean with her right that wants his friends back yeah there's friends and he just want to be lonely and alone because it's his whole thing it's his whole thing and it's like all he has now especially like he's been committed to this for a good two seasons now i mean you can't go back who's he gonna go hang out with Thor? Thor? Fucking the Chitari? Okay, guys, I know I failed the invasion, but... You guys want to hang out a little bit? Hey, Thanos. <laughs> like, no, he's got no one. It's... So, uh, I thought that was interesting. Real nice moment of vulnerability from Loki, right? Oh, yeah. He's like, you remember my friends? And she's like, well, in all honesty, though, like, you're really doing them any favors by yanking them from their timelines. Time and he's like, yeah, probably... Probably not. So he's ready to let everyone go back, and then Sylvie's like, "Actually, I was, I was completely mistaken. <laughs> My whole timeline just dissolved." In you were right the, whole, the first time. Because <laughs> not actually you were right, and then they all dissolve, and then everyone dissolves. But Loki is now he's got he has a bit of like a realization, I guess, like an epiphany, but an epiphany, which is just that like he can just control it because of what does he say? It's uh, who he's he's like. Oh yeah, so, so the whole episode it's like the whole temporal auras. That's who he's, that's how he's like jumping to. Because uh, Ob, whatever his real name is, I can't remember. Me neither. He's like, well, in fiction, it's about who, why. In real life, it's about what and where. What does he say? I think he says science. It's about what, and fiction. It's about why. Oh, yeah, I thought there was a third one there, but sure. Okay. Right, and he's like, and then Loki's like, actually, it was. It's about who. It's about the people. It's about yeah. how. <laughs> is it? No, he says who. Didn't? No, I'm just saying okay. that's, the, that's the last one of the. Yeah. 
grouping. Maybe that's what science is, how and what. Yeah. Or no, I, I think science is what and where, and fiction is why. Uh-huh. And then he's like, well, it's not either of those three things. It's this fourth thing, who, and how does it matter? It's about people. And then, so that somehow gives him the ability to seemingly control his time slipping. Yeah. So then he... Which, why? But who cares? I think temp- he's finding a temporal aura thing, because as he says that... Yeah, but with what? He's just thinking about it? Like, what, is that? Magic. what the fuck does that mean? Okay. He's well, a just, magic Okay, man. well, then I, that's all I'm saying, is it's just ma- it's, it is just magic. Bullshit. Yeah. Like, it's not... Jack says, oh, he's, he's sensing their temporal aura, Zach. I don't know, man. Of course. I don't know either. That's why I asked. Seems to me like nothing really changed in a tangible way, but that's fine. I got no problem with it. He's not, I, don't think, I don't think he's doing the weird, like, pulling thing anymore. He's not mm. pulling apart. I love it when, like, some personal growth reflects, uh, you know, has some nice tangible effects like that. Mm. So, he's like, well, I guess maybe I can just go back to the, before this all exploded. And then that's what he does. And then Saran just, right there. It's in the episode. He's back at the moment before. Uh, he gets fucking, spaghettified. Yeah, before uh, old mate Kang goes and spaghettifies himself, so. I don't know. It'll be interesting with all that he knows, though. To like, how do we resolve that next episode? Right? Yeah, I think he might like jump further and further back until he can get it right. Which is kind of what I said. I thought this episode would be, mm-hmm. but now that he has control of it, we can because I because I was kind of like, what mechanism is that going to be? Yeah, but yeah, now that he can do that, maybe there is going to be like a, a couple run-throughs of it. We're going to Groundhog Day where he's like, ah, that didn't work. Let's try again. Um, but I just mean bigger, like season-wide, or not. I mean, because that's the overarching thing of the season, right? Is we got to fix the loom. Mm. But more like character-wise, I guess. Now that he has, his, he had this whole episode where he's like, "Oh, these people all like have lives and are real <laughs> outside of here. How is he gonna? How is he gonna deal with that? Because he seems to kind of come to the that realization at the end of this episode, right? Mm. Like, oh yeah, maybe I should let them have their own lives, and they're you know, me being uh, scared of being alone isn't the most kind of important thing here it might be might be kind of selfish if anything yeah, yeah. so i wonder how that will, will resolve resolve maybe he'll just tell him be like well, this is where your lives are and probably just go back to him maybe it'll be like a real a nice everyone gets what they want kind of answer mm-hmm. where it's like oh yeah no those those branches are there and there's versions of you that are just chilling but you you guys can stay here and be these you as well yeah and so nothing has to too too early change but you all know it's there maybe they all just do you and loki's like all right i'm gonna go do Something else. Something. I'll just I'll explore the wide multiverse. Have you seen any of the rumors about Deadpool three that are afoot? I have not. Apparently, there's a rumor that the the kind of general plot is that the TVA are going around to the different universes trying to recruit the prime versions of different characters, like to help fight Kang with. Oh, like the strongest version. Like, well, like the I don't know. Oh, the okay. prime ones. Presumably, that would be the idea, I guess. The Prime ones are going to be the best ones. Mm-hmm. So, they're trying to get Prime Deadpool and Prime Wolverine. Huh. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. But that would imply that the TVA, you know... Still around. Yeah, exists in some form following the end of this season, so... Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe some of them will stay and some of them won't. Because, like, OB didn't really have much... Going from His wife left them and <laughs> ran out of money. That was a weird... That was, like, a weird offhanded detail. He's like, like, man, that's pretty serious, Obi. Like, you really, you dedicated your... I mean, listen, inventing time travel would be pretty good. Yeah. Not even time travel, multiversal travel. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, that would be the type of thing you might really get behind. Yeah. Even if it, even if it's not like a huge, unwieldy tablet. It's still, that's still pretty good, though. Yeah, I mean, 
Oh, it's like a big laptop. The fact they can it's even like hold the, it's it. It's like the size of a laptop. Whatever will we do? Yeah. This time travel device. We can go our, infinite places. I think that'll that'll be just fine. In case he's trying to st- jail, case he's trying to steal everything. So we can get into banks with this. It's like, <laughs> buddy, we got a bigger fish to fry here. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, it's irrelevant. You, if you can go to the future, my guy. Like, what? go to a place where money has no meaning. What do you need to rob a bank for? Yeah, he's, he's he's too small. He's yeah, he's nothing. The full ramifications of this. Take it to a reality where you're a god and they just do whatever you say. But so yeah, again, this has been solid. Yeah, good time. It's I, on the one hand, I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, look at this whole season has just been has just been you know fix the loom, fixing the loom. But hey, man, I mean, it's been a it's been you know a good ride. Like we've you know there's lots of shows we've talked about where it's like, oh, this isn't the most like plot heavy something you know big is always moving forward kind of thing, but. The mm. characters are interesting and compelling, and that's that's all you need sometimes. Yeah, you know, is it not everything has to be crazy big set piece things? Mm-hmm. Especially because it's like it's all just kind of like you know very much its own side of things. This Loki show is right, mm. and obviously as we're going forward, it's, it's connecting more to this stuff. But it's not like like what what do you what do you do with this? Yeah, how does all it, this stuff? Other how does than it just play kind of into its own? Yeah, its own time shenanigans. So you can't have it like fix a problem because that's kind of. Yeah. Dave Sex Machina. There's not going to be a bunch of big, like, real implications for the rest of the, the universe. It's, you know, it's by its very nature, it's going to be a more... Contained. Yeah, self-contained thing. So, I think that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Hiddleston does good, this one. Yes, he, he does. do quite a bit of acting. Yeah, I really like that. Not stuff. that he never... Not that he's not always, but... This time in particular. Good on him. It's all sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, um... This, this one, right, has, like... Does it have, like, fla- little flashback stuff? To I feel like we just see do we see little scenes of him in it? I don't know. I think I have a different episode. I think you did an episode. I don't think there's any real flashbacks in this one. I don't know. It's probably not. Like to him as a kid? Yeah, like not even him as a kid, just like young him from like Thor. That's a different episode. Okay. Yeah. Just like him when like when he's when he's doing his whole like I could be a king. Yeah. I should have been in charge. Or it's probably just a YouTube video I watched, if anything. Ooh. <laughs> just going crazy. It's all all the content is melding together in your mind. The AMVs and fan yeah. edits. Man, fucking sweet little young Tom Hiddleston. Completely unknown Tom Hiddleston. I can use Thor 1. Thor first Thor. Before, and he's almost actual Thor. Sometimes I wish he's, you know, we've talked about this before. Sometimes I wish they still talked like that just a little. Just a little. I, I really do, you know, say whatever you want about like the first Avengers movie and whatnot. But I, lo- I love that, that Thor Loki kind of dialogue. He's talking about I, I who was and should be king. Shit. It's mm-hmm. classic. Yeah. And Iron Man hits him with "I have a plan." Attack! It's Ape Plus dialogue all around. It's not so bad. He calls he calls Black Widow a mule and Quim. That's a bit like whoa. That's, that's high too. That's pretty that's good. A, it's like some old like Shakespearean disses. So, um, got our finale next week, huh? Yeah. Now we'll now we'll do last season Loki finale. We were like, what the fuck happened here? What's going on? I hope not. Will it fucking do a Marvel finale thing where it fucking kind of shits the bed on us? I don't think it will. I I hope not. I got a good feeling about it. I really do feel like because this show, this season in particular, has been so has been so self-contained. There's not like a bunch of like references or anything. It's just it's just telling this story about these characters just because kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like we've said it before, but I it feels like a show that really just you know someone actually wanted to kind of make for its own sake. Yeah, not just to like we got to fit these characters in somehow. Yeah, not because we need to hit this character or this this you know. We need to introduce this character for this reason or this other thing. It's just like I don't know. This is just kind of a unique show that seems to actually have a compelling story just to tell for its own sake. So 
Mm. It's good. It's good to see, man. Big fan. Oh yeah. Gonna get that. I don't think we ever talked about it on the show, but like you know, they're doing the Blu-rays finally. Yes, yes. They're trying to do physical releases. Got to get the season one of Loki. It's one of the only ones they've done thus far. They did um. Did it Wandavision? Yeah, Loki and Wandavision. So. No Falcon and Winter Soldier, but everybody. No, they skipped right over it. I I I, I feel like maybe they it. knew. That no one's gonna fucking buy it. Like they, they kind of did their market research to be like, which ones we start with. I don't know. I assume I would like to think that they're, yeah, they're just kind of testing the waters, see how successful those are, and then make some decisions going going forward about like which ones to make and stuff. And presumably, well, not presumably necessarily, but ideally, they would. Now that that you know the dam's kind of broken, hmm. they can um do the box sets. Well, that or just, I mean, like, maybe they can start getting them out more quickly. Like, not wait two years, two, two plus years every time. Mm-hmm. But maybe they can start having the Blu-rays come out. The year after. Like, yeah, yeah. And and start catching up on all the, you know, the backlog of them as well. But oh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I think I think it's probably kind of an experiment at the moment to do. Because they're doing that and they're doing the first two seasons of Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Which I think will probably sell better than those two. I If I had to guess, yeah. Yeah. Star Wars fans are more, I feel like, inclined to do that. They love their physical media. Mm-hmm. But, then, but then, yeah, obviously there's there's eight other Marvel shows they could all do if they wanted. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there were three last year. Right. I mean, a lot of which are all, you know, plenty old enough at this point. Mm-hmm. But I've always said that, like, you know, I'm sure the logic, at least initially, was that you don't want to cut into your subscriptions with your physical media sales. Although, I don't know if there's really logic there because... I don't know how much overlap. Well, really. no, it depends. I guess the idea is you want to get someone for a subscription and then get them, get them stuck for you know years, which obviously is going to get you more money than selling one Blu-ray will. But yeah, I've kind of maintained that like I don't know if those are really are competing. Like mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, the people who are going to buy your Blu-rays are probably the people who already subscribed. Already subscribed, anyways. And your demographic, my like my demographic. I've like people who subscribe and also buy physical media alongside. You mean like me? My demographic, you meant the what? I mean, the like, royal me, the royal, the royal you, yeah, royal your, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. Or if you are somehow the type of person who is buying a Blu-ray to circumvent streaming, streaming it, then they probably weren't going to stream it anyways, I guess. And at least you made money off of selling them the Blu-ray. So yeah, you're making money somehow. But yeah. so they have enough money. God. Yeah, I don't know. And we'll see. I, w- I wonder who comes up comes up with stuff like that. Is that a top down? Is that a is that a Bob Iger, Bob Iger decision? Bob Iger lays it. Be like, guys, why have we not been selling Blu-rays? Come on, now that I'm back, we're selling Blu-rays. We need even more money. Also, those writers, we should kill them all. I hate them. <laughs> they shouldn't have homes or money. So I don't know. Got anything else for Loki? Uh, no. Excited for the finale. Uh, good Marvel show. I think so. Uh, so yeah, we can act second of that probably then into a trailer trash or the cash, and we can stick on our Marvel train here and. Do um, Echo. So here it is. Trailer for Echo. They're dropping it all at once. For the millionth time, I feel like, with these Disney Plus series of all stripes. They told us it was going to be this year, and now it's not going to be this year. <laughs> it's going to be like yeah. super early next year. January 10th? But still, like, what are we what are we doing, fellas? Come yeah. on. It's a Hulu. It's on Hulu and Disney Plus at the same time, because they've... Is it really? That's what it said at the end oh, of the I trailer. Didn't, I didn't notice that. Or at least... It's it's going to be delayed because they did that with Secret Invasion. The first three episodes were on Hulu. Did they? Yeah. But then they're like, watch the rest on Disney Plus. Bad one to start with, I'd say. No, yeah. Absolutely. Which one was the one that they. Sh- oh, it was, was Ms. Marvel, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. They showed that on ABC. Yes. A couple episodes. 
Um, so yeah, first trailer for Echo. I would say that there's not. We don't get a ton of story stuff. It's story more of like a like a vibe trailer. Although I don't know how much story there really is to this, other than you know Echo's going to beat up a bunch of criminals and stuff. Yeah, but uh, um, I think this is going to be part of like a Marvel Spotlight. Yeah, thing so this is a new it. a new new banner that they've come up with for frankly reasons that I don't yet understand really understand like why we even need this who, who is who is it for kind of thing i mean just to like spice splice it up more more distinction it's just one of those things where it's like i feel like you can just do this without giving it a name right like i just don't know what the mm-hmm. what the point of that is and a lot of people have been like is this going to be like the special presentations where they do two of them and then probably yeah. never again yeah because it's like yeah that's feeling weird now because as far as we know they're not no, no more are planned. There's the not any more of those in the pipeline, at least. So, you, know, you made your fancy little graphic that you showed us twice, and uh, this is going to be the same thing. Um, I, I again, I don't know. I don't really know why they feel they need to do this, but it, it's interesting. So basically, what it is, what they've said it's going to be, right? Is and it's like with the special presentations, it's like a comic thing, right? Marvel Spotlight yeah. was a comic. Um, is that they're going to be these more like focused, uh, street level like characters, like basically the Stuff that they all covered already, right, in yeah. the Netflix shows, right? Which is just obviously very much continuing that sort of uh, whatever tradition, right? And presumably, you know, the new Daredevil show will kind of as well. Um, and that's it's interesting. That's something I can get behind for sure. Yeah. Is it keeping that going? So the other thing is that this is the first TVMA Disney Plus show, right? Oh, yeah. Which is cool, which I guess... As far as like a fish, well, I, I don't know. I always forget what exactly the specifics were behind those Netflix shows, but um, yeah, at, at least as far as Disney Plus, this is the first like Marvel Studios thing to actually get that kind of rating, uh, which is interesting for sure. And I was pleasantly surprised by that. I was not expecting it, and I it definitely gives me confidence that that's what they will do with Daredevil, right? I hope so. Got, yeah. There's no way they're going to come up with this whole thing and then not use it for that, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I was that is one of the worries. I was like, is it going to feel way off and just completely different in tone because you know they're unable to like they're unwilling to to do that but then it's it sparked a different discussion right yeah that you've you said that you've seen a bit of right about how uh basically why haven't they done this earlier yeah because there's something going around that like there's a shot in the beginning of this trailer where kingpin beats the shit of this vendor on the street who's mean to echo and uh he's like his fist is covered in blood and his white suit is blood all over it and people have said there's more blood in that sh- shot than in all of Moon Knight, um, which I guess I don't know how true that is because Mark does get shot in the chest. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's water. a bit of hyperbole. There's yeah, but there people it, getting shot and stuff. But there's notably not a lot of it. In, no, yeah, in a show about a guy who's like a mercenary killing people for a god. For sure. When we talked about it at the time, when we covered Moon Knight, I think that like for the Disney Plus show, they they leaned more into the mystical stuff, mm-hmm. obviously, than I'm a street level, um, beaten up like gangsters type of thing which you know moon knight certainly is at times right he's like i'll beat a criminal bloody like i'm batman yeah uh it's just he really just he's a really versatile character in that way that you can kind of lean into whichever aspect depending and probably better that they lean into the mystical so he wasn't just like batman clone yeah kind of or or daredevil clone you know Mm -hmm. if, if it came across even less right um but yeah, he's I because he's kind of like a D tier character, and also like yeah, he's so multifaceted. You can do like, the, do we want to make this a you know multiple personality mental health kind of story, or do we want to make it a mystical Egyptian god story, or do we want to make this a 
guy who beats people bloody with moon you know, shurikens. little moon shurikens <laughs> between his fingers. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I we liked that show. We did. I forgot it came out though well, for enough. a hot minute. Oh, yeah, forgot it existed. Yeah, I did. Put a little. I'm like, oh fuck, there was moon. Moon is a thing that exists. Oscar Isaac's um, in the running now for well, not in the running, but he's up there for like having the most Lego minifigures based off him. You know that? Does he really? Now that he's got Moon Knight. Do you have 2099? Technically, you could you could make that argument. They have they didn't make like any uh, sets, you know, for that movie specifically. But there is a Spider Man 2099 minifigure, so you can kind of you can fudge them. Half there, point. Right? We'll give yeah. him a half point at least. And there's Poe Dameron, and then there's next year is Duke Atreides. Oh right, they're doing Dune. They're doing Dune. He doesn't beat out uh, what's his name though, Stellan Skarsgård, because he has Baron Harkonnen and Bootstrap Bill and Eric Selvig and Luthen Rail. Oh, good for him. And maybe more. Maybe. What else could they do with him? Uh, maybe the captain from uh, The Hunt for Red October. They the, or they could put him in a mar- another Marvel thing. Well, I said Eric Selvig. That's true. They don't use the idea is you don't count the same character like twice. Twice. Right. What was I saying? Moon Knight, I guess. Something about Moon Knight. Something, something Moon Knight. Something something Moon Knight. So yeah, I don't know. I we like that show well enough, and I I don't think I specifically was like we need more graphic violence in that. I am curious to what uh, how far they're gonna push the TVMA envelope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it just going to be a blood. little bit more violence and blood and, go- and gore and stuff, or like because the Netflix ones, right, where you know they were full on effing and Jeffing, right? They they had full language. They had, I think, I don't know if there was any actual nudity, but there was definitely like sexual content, like implied sex scenes and stuff, mm. which also, you know, go beyond what, what has been shown in any of the other Marvel stuff. So I'm, I'm really curious to see. I saw some people say that maybe they'll even um, retroactively apply that banner to the ones they have on there, right? Because they're all, they're all up on Disney Plus at the moment, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, so they could just be like, Moon Knight's one of these, and Miss Marvel's one of these, and She-Hulk's one of these. So it's like, no, I, not, I didn't mean like them. I mean oh. like... Daredevil and the Punisher and oh, Iron Fist. Those, like, those, right, yeah, yeah. It's in the Netflix one. So I got it right here, the quote. Uh, Brad Winderbaum, who's the Marvel head of streaming, said, um, Marvel Spotlight gives us a platform to bring more grounded, character-driven stories to the screen, and in the case of Echo, focusing on street-level stakes over larger MCU continuity. Which I think is a really interesting kind of detail to add in there, right? Yeah. Because that could definitely support the idea of, of kind of pre, you know, doing those right yeah daredevil and them which you know thus far have kind of existed so somewhat you know separately from yeah, the rest like, of the mcu continuity so if they say we're gonna keep this going and just kind of you know fudge the numbers on this and kind of get them in i think that i think people would get on board with that because that that is kind of the, the other thing is like people are still a little bit hesitant about the idea of doing a daredevil show mm-hmm. that's not actually connected to the previous three seasons of the daredevil show that's this weird like soft reboot kind of thing yeah um, I don't think we ever talked about it, do we? But they, they, there was all these rumors about their production troubles as well. Yeah, I got fired. We talked about this. Yeah, like they're starting from scratch, maybe. And yeah, there he was not going to be in the suit for a bunch of episodes. And Which he, that to me wasn't a big deal, to be honest with you. A lot of people were talking like that was a good, but it's, if you, yeah, if you've actually like watched the the Netflix ones, that's kind of the vibe, isn't they? They kind of take it slow. And the thing with those is that some of those shows could definitely afford to be a little shorter because they go for like. 12 or 13 episodes or something mm. um but yeah there's definitely like a slow burn to a lot of those like in season one of daredevil he never gets the proper costume until last episode you know mm, he's just yeah. going the black uh black black pajamas on, yeah, <laughs> yeah bandana around his eyes um so yeah i don't know it'll be it'll be very interesting to, to see how that all plays out because daredevil's 
that show's great, man. I've been but told. Speaking of this actual show, like we said, it's not a ton of story stuff, but, you know, a bunch of fighting. Yeah, it seems mostly centered around his, her relationship with Kingpin. Yep. And her roots in, like, in her indigenous culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the synopsis we got for it a while back was, like, she's got to reconnect with her heritage and find the meaning of family or be lost forever kind of thing, you know. You got it. Yeah, that's a Marvel thing. Um, we see we seen the trailer of Kingpin, uh, the aftermath of her him, her shooting him in the face at the end of Hawkeye. It's only missing one eye. I guess makes sense. Can't just blind Vincent D'Onofrio. Feels like that would affect. Yeah, probably not his performance. Um, interesting. They put him in the big white suit in the flashback, which we all like to see. It's a classic Kingpin outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see a little clip of Daredevil doing some a big jump over a box. Yeah, yeah. They they threw him in there just to make sure we didn't all forget. So he'll be definitely be around. Forget the thing you like. He's here. Please don't stop watching. Be very interesting. It, it is kind of funny that this is the first one that they're saying is a this Marvel spotlight that's supposed to be this standalone. You don't have to know the rest of the continuity because this show is like a direct spinoff of Hawkeye. Yeah, you really kind of you didn't know Hawkeye ought to, ought to have seen Hawkeye at the very least. <laughs> or yeah, but don't worry about it. If not the original Daredevil series as well, yeah, or some the first three seasons of that probably wouldn't wouldn't hurt. a little bit. At least some clips. At least a recap. Yeah. See how this all works out. But, yeah. Um, they're losing all yeah. at once. I don't think we mentioned that. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. It's all ten. A lot of uh, a lot of firsts with this one, basically. Yeah. Is it ten? Let's see. Let's see. If, but we talked about I I think on this show. I don't I don't remember. I can't I can't remember if we ever you know if it ever made it onto here or if we just talked about it. But at one point this was the rumor was that oh no I definitely have said this before. But the rumor was that they were doing it all at once because they didn't have any faith in it. Hmm. Um. And that they were worried it was just kind of going to be bad. But then there's also these rumors that are supposedly unfounded and and were kind of um, hearsay. Yeah, that were that were then like sort of retracted as being unfounded. That it was in a really bad state, and they also had to reshoot this whole thing. And Kevin Feige said it was unreleasable and stuff. So I, it could very well be that this is just a thing that they say now. Yeah, you it know, is. it's a thing that that people put in articles because they're they see clicks. Yeah, it's a sensational thing to write. Is that like, oh, this whole this show's terrible. It's on the rocks. It's the worst thing ever. Kevin Feige wept at the sight of it. <laughs> he gnashed his teeth and went, oh, God. So, uh, but the reaction to this trailer now has been quite the opposite. It's been very positive. People yeah. like that the MCU's back, man. It's so, so MCU's Andor. So glad they're doing blood again or whatever. <laughs> it's like, okay. Violence and murder. That's cool. Let's go. Uh, I don't, hey, listen. I am interested in that, and again, I'm I'm kind of glad that they're they're managing to do that. But also, that alone wasn't enough for me to be like, this show looks great or anything. You no, know? yeah. Do you agree? Like, yeah, just because Kingpin beat a guy in an alley, I wasn't like, well, this makes it all worth. The story's gonna be impeccable. If I'm not saying the opposite either. I'm not saying that anything about this looks bad. This is exciting. I just, I, I don't know. I'm just not. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm, wait for it to come out. I'm just, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I can't. So, I can't say I'm so enthused just by the idea of that that I'm like, well, this must be great. Yeah, that's all. I see people say like Marvel's really good at trailers, so that's true. Not to go too crazy, because you know that's true. Have they ever really done like a trailer where you're like, "Well, this will probably be bad." I mean, hey, we thought Secret Invasion was gonna be hype, and then yeah, we watched yeah. it. We're like, "This is the worst thing I've ever fucking watched." Yeah, I'm, so I don't even think I like Ant Man three that much, but the trailer was good. Yeah, sure. Kang was spooky in it. He was. They did Yellow Brick Road. They, they put it kind of slow at some points. Yeah, yeah, they did that. Thing. They did a thing in a trailer. They do they, now. The, the thing they do in trailers now. Yeah. Um. You know. Oh, let's talk about this. So she doesn't have her powers anymore. No. Um, so no longer power. Taskmaster, right? So Echo's power is that she can. She's like Taskmaster. She like she echoes she you. She can like copy your echo your powers. That's why she's fucking called Echo. They're just not doing that for some reason, and 
don't know. The director said it was because they just don't think her powers were cool enough or whatever. And what? <laughs> I don't get that. I don't know. I think it. I think it'd be interesting um, enough to be the the deaf woman has to like look very like like you could do a lot of interestingly yeah. interesting visuals with that. And when apparently people are like, I don't know, people are making it. Some people are probably making more out of it than the little mountains on the molehills kind of. Yeah, they need be because they're like, oh, is this because she's a woman or whatever, and they gotta they can't have a woman have the same powers as a man, um, which is kind of like. Like like with Miss Marvel, right? That's the parallel they're drawing is that they changed Miss Marvel's powers so that she wouldn't have the same powers as Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. But to be fair, in the MCU, Taskmaster is a girl. Taskmaster is a girl. So a horribly Scott Russian woman. Um, I don't know. I feel like the real answer to that probably is that it's hard. It's just a hard power to portray visually. Portray in a TV show, right? Yeah. I feel like Black Widow did a decent job of it. Um. But they might have used up all the good material for that one, you know? Yeah, they just did like, well, she, she watched the footage from Civil War and did a Black Panther stuff. Because you can't really do that in this show. It also would feel, I feel like, more out of place, right? If it was like, look, she did a Captain America move. Oh, look, at she just did a, yeah, like a Black Panther pose. You'd be like, what? How would she do that? She's just beating up, like, Russian gangsters. Like, Yeah, she's going to remember how to shoot a bow, like, Hawkeye? She has guns. She uses guns. Right. <laughs> so, I, it's probably fine. I don't know. Let's see why, if there's any, if there's anything been said about her powers and where exactly she got them it's because she didn't really have that in the in in hawkeye did she did she seem to have anything no i didn't think she did she seemed pretty powerless but in this the the kind of the very least the glimpse of it we got is that she like kicks a chair real good yeah she kicks her real quick and real hard and seemingly more than someone should be able to kick a chair yeah um i thought it was her like prosthetic leg uh-huh because it's metal oh yeah yeah that's what he said so it could which doesn't really make sense because yeah, but if you you're get, just because your lower leg is is a dense metal material. doesn't mean it's kicking a launch chairs around. You're still but, gonna propel the metal forward, right? Right. But it's, I think uh, her knee is still there, right? Like I don't yeah. think she's a prosthetic knee even. So, uh, but I can I can fudge it for a comic yeah, whatever. book movie that she has like a basic Winter Soldier foot. Yeah. You know what? You know what? We t- I think we've talked about this when we watched Hawkeye. But you know what? She is now in the comics, right? Do you remember? She's um Ronan. No, she was Ronan. That was like she's the man way on the back wall. In the day. No, she like disapp- she hasn't been around for like a long time. Like basically after she was Ronan, I don't think they really made much use of her. Mm. She's only kind of around for a few years there in the early two thousands. I could be wrong, but I think that's the as I recall, it's how it is. And then they brought her back somewhat recently to be the avatar for the Phoenix. <laughs> oh right, of course, because everyone had to be right. So, um, that co-producer Sydney Freeland said, she's "Fucking bad." Her power in the comics books is that she can copy anything, any movement, any whatever. It's kind of lame. I will say that is not her power. I'll just kind of leave it at that. So maybe we didn't get an full explanation. Yeah, we don't see anything overtly explicit in the trailer beyond hand-to-hand combat, so it's unlikely she'll be flying through the skies, blasting energy beams or anything. That is probably true. Yeah, and she said the word lame. What the heck? Put it into that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's just one of those things. I don't. We don't get super passionate about this. We're not like, like you're not respecting our character. How dare? How dare they? How dare they? What are they going to do? The echo. They're not showing the proper respect. But it is a little bit weird to be producing a show about this character and be like, yeah, in the comics, they're lame. Why Why are we even like... Because <laughs> gives like, shit. Let's change it. It's like, I don't know, man. You, why, you, you, you decided to make the show, bro. Why are you coming at me like that? Like, what <laughs> did I, I do? Why is it my fault? Now I feel bad for wanting to watch I it. I know, yeah. It makes it sound like we're idiots for being like, hey, don't you know this guy? Hey, we took this dumb comic book character you liked, and we, but we took him and made him cool. Yeah, what other thing that, fucking loser? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nerds don't know what's good for you, you know? You'd be nothing without us. You don't really know what you want, so we we just took it and we made it better. But I like them apples, huh? Whatever, though. Again, I'm not actually passionate one way or the other Me about neither. Echo, so 
Do whatever the hell you want to her, I guess. Not your dad. Okay. Again, it is pretty egregious though because she's called Echo. That's her whole thing. Yeah, it makes, it makes What's it, the reason for calling her Echo in this show? Are they gonna like ham fist a name? Well, because she mimics people, but not not in a, not in a superpower I mean, way. Her first name's just Maya. Like you, seen the show Maya? If her superhero name's gonna be Echo, then it's why are we not whatever. It's like they're like, well, Hawkeye's just gonna do hand to hand combat. He's gonna do marksmanship. Yeah. So that's fucking stupid. Bow and arrow? Who cares? Uh, we, yeah, in the comics, we decided Hawkeye's powers are kind of lame. <laughs> Iron Man? That's just a dumb, stupid name. We'll give him some cool, like, steel. <laughs> steel dude. So, but yeah, overall, all the reasons we, we've gone over here, it is interesting. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if it's if it's good. Uh, here's hoping. Again, it's a lot of firsts, so hopefully it sets a good precedent for. All this stuff. Hopefully, instead of uh, release all at once, precedent because that kind of fucks up our show model. It doesn't uh, to an extent. It does. It does at that, Jack. And we've talked about it before, but we're actually big fans of the week, week, week to week at this point. Not even just because we do this, but I think in general, I find it more enjoyable. Because you know, this is just going to be a thing where it's going to be we all got to rush within the first like two days to watch the whole thing, lest you be spoiled about it. And yeah, they're going to be like, "This is all the stuff Daredevil does," because that's what we kind of want to see, right? Right. I saw people theorize that maybe whether the show's good or not, that they felt like that maybe they had to do it for the show in particular because Echo is a harder sell than yeah. which we kind of talked about when we've, it was written announced that she had a show. Like, it's like Echo's getting a spinoff from from this Hawkeye show because um, in a lot of people's minds, this probably is going to be like the Kingpin Daredevil show. So <laughs> yeah, like, it's like... going to be hanging. Around. So like, if you had to go four weeks before you shot, saw like head, heads and tails either of them, you'd probably would be. Very much like the She-Hulk thing where everyone's like, well, yeah. I don't care about She-Hulk. I just want to say Daredevil. Exactly. When's Daredevil showing so up? So maybe to kind of circumvent that, they're like, well, we'll give it to you all at once. You can see all your Daredevil. Just skip to the end with Daredevil yeah. and who cares? And you're first, in the first day and you don't have to whine about it. We don't have to listen to you fuckers and we can focus on making Blade anything. <laughs> maybe finishing Blade. See the rewriting Blade? Yeah, I mean, I also see, I also seen a good bit of stuff that a lot of it's, you know. Blown out of proportion? Yeah. I hope so. If not, just outright lies. When there's when they're saying like you know this script Blade wasn't even really in Blade, I for, I was like that seems odd. I, apparently that one was just fa- like someone who was like, well, I wrote I actually did write one of these scripts or, or wrote on them whatever worked on it, and that's just not that wasn't the case. And I'm like, well, you seem just about as trustworthy as these other people. So and you're saying something that I hope is true, so I'm true. gonna believe you. At least you have some kind of credibility to back it up. You are I can I can see based on your profile here you are a Hollywood writer of some description, so. Yeah, so it's likely that you know what you're talking about, other than this, just this guy. And user eight one four two seven five. So Echo, you know, pretty pretty trailer, pretty trailer crash. Pretty trailer crash. <laughs> Daredevil shows up and Kingpin wears the suit. Big. What else could you want? Big man. Uh, his suit's all red again, huh? Seems that way. Seems yeah, it looks like it. Do you like his suit? I'll take it or leave it. Yeah, I have no strong opinions about Daredevil. That's true. Should have known. That's the best you're gonna get out of it. I I I, I don't have a problem with it. Well, I only ask because it's kind of. The the whatever you'd call it, the Netflix suit is a bit controversial. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some people like it, some people don't. So I saw someone. So in season three, Bullseye wears it around to be evil with it. Of to course, frame Daredevil as he is, as he's wanted to do to like frame him. And I saw people saying this week that like the thing is that maybe it just actually worked. Like it's a cool looking suit, but it doesn't work very well for Daredevil. And I kind of get that because Daredevil traditionally is more more of the sleek jumpsuity kind of guy like, yeah not the big bulky tactical yeah, suit and, yeah exactly and they did the they did the like well this is a we need textures this is a yeah live action thing so we needed a thing where we make it all modern and just yeah exactly add weird plates and different textures on it just to make it look cool whereas nowadays they're in a lot of the, you know costumes they're they're more willing to just do a 
more simple. Yeah, just simple. Spandexy jumpsuit kind of thing. So yeah, maybe he'll get another one sooner or later. Here, but Hopefully. I don't got a problem with it. I, I do like it. And I was like, oh, it's red again, which I definitely prefer. I like the idea of the the She Hulk one, but an execution, I didn't, I didn't love it. I like the idea very of it. much. Yeah, I like the idea of it. I'm okay with just doing all red. So yeah. So next trailer. Next trailer. Which one? Uh, Fall guy. Fall guy. We got the Fall guy, which is a new movie with Ryan Gosling. It's about a video game where you gotta like climb over people to get to the hey, a little get to bunch the end. Of, you're a canonically six foot tall gremlin monster. You're a little Among Us looking dudes. They're yeah. six feet tall canonically. Canonically, they the they like officially released like a schematic of like the Fall guys and like uh-huh. a human person. That'd be scary because if they're six feet tall, that means they're quite wide. They're wide and they're like eyes. Their eyes they're are like, like connected. They're like the shape of a fridge. Oh yeah. They're Spooky. a unit, as the kids Spooky. would say. You see the thing where it's like a... I think I've seen... Is it for Fall Guys? Or maybe it was for Among Us. Like, what their skeletons would look like. Yeah, I think, I think I've seen one of those. Maybe it was... I think... I can't remember which one it was, but I do remember seeing something like that. So, actual... <laughs> actual oh, yeah, Fall it is. Jesus. I think this is actually official, no less. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. The, I think a dev yeah. team officially released that image. Yeah, it's horrible. Their skeletons <laughs> are... All, their eye, like... Their hands are ginormous. <laughs> they look like herons. Well, they would have to be. Yeah. Look at how big their hands are. I just don't know why they would make them six feet tall. Why Why not just make them little cartoon men? Just for fun. Just because it'd be funny. <laughs> their skull is so far back in their head that their eyes have to be like their opti- long stalks. Gross. Disgusting. Um, but no, it's a, it's, a, it's a Ryan Gosling movie where he's a... He's a stuntman. He's a stuntman. He's like Drive from the movie Drive. I guess. We drive, he plays a stuntman. He only drives the one scene. He's a stuntman he's like, in the one- beginning of that movie. Oh, he's a stuntman in Drive? Yeah. I didn't remember that. Is that that's how you said that? Yeah, that's why I said that. Oh, I thought you just meant like, oh, he's in a car. Yeah, well, it does You're double You're right, duty. he is a stuntman in Drive, isn't he? Yeah. I I only remember the part where he was like a, you know. Autistic. Bank robber. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's very autistic. Huh. 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 Maybe Jack knows suck a thing or two. Good job, Jack. Thank you. Uh, if they did that movie, then we would get a fourth. What's his name? Ryan Gosling? Mm-mm. Oscar Isaac, maybe. Because he's the, oh, he's he's the, the husband. He's the, he's the cucked husband. Sure. From Drive. That's right. Yeah, yeah. From, from Drive. Ron Perlman's in that movie, too. Yeah, I know. Good movie. I don't think he's ever been made into like Hellboy? No Hellboy yeah, Lego? No Hellboy Lego. You, you think they have Hellboy Lego sets? Think about that for a second. No. I refuse <laughs> to. I won't. I won't even consider the option anymore. He's called a Hellboy. They got Dune, and Dune's boring as shit. <laughs> Hellboy's cool to watch, because he's cool and from hell. Oh, I've never seen Hellboy, so I, I can't what speak on doing? that. I don't think he's actually from hell, is he? He's a demon. I think he's, I thought he's, he was an alien. I think he's. I mean, I think hell. I think it's one of those things where like aliens are real, but also hell is real. Okay. Like a Warhammer. Yeah, I don't know. Or or Doom. Or Doom. Yeah, or Doom. But anyway, this is one of them trailers that just shows you the whole movie, eh? Yeah, it's the director of Bullet Train. So I was like, ooh, bu- I like Bullet Which Train. Which movie we liked? Yeah, and I like some Ryan people hate. Gosling. I don't know. I don't know why you'd hate it. What's wrong with it? I'll read you a tweet I saved for a while back, and I didn't know. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with it. Really, we got to use the whole part of the animal, so. But now it's we've been given the perfect. God, bills are down. End of the third here, twenty-one to ten. Disappointing showing by the bills. They've really been shitting the bed here, fellas. So, have you seen the trailer for Argyle? It's this Matthew Vaughn movie. Bryce Dallas Howard is a writer, and oh yes, wait, yes, yes. I'm sorry, I forgot the name of it. I was called something else. That's all right. Um, Sam, Sam, what is? Never mind. I know what movie you're talking about. John Cena, yeah. Henry Cavill, Dua Lipa, all them. Yeah. For some reason, he's not on this fucking thing. <laughs> This is the first trailer for Matthew Vaughn's Argyle starring Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas Howard, Samuel Jackson, Brian Cranston, John Cena, and Dua Lipa. Whereas he's the second star for sure. Like, yeah. he's clearly the lead, the co-lead of that movie. They just completely omitted him, huh? Man. He's good. He was in Moon. None of them were in Moon. 
No. What the fuck? Why is Henry Cavill top billing? Who's Henry Cavill? Top billed cast? Bryce Dallas Howard doesn't even make it in there. IMDb's tweaking. Poor, poor, poor Sam Rockwell. He's so good. The fuck does John Cena do? I don't even... Might be 20 people in that movie. Anyways, I think it looks fine. I don't know. We'll probably watch it because... Watch a lot of movies, don't yeah. we? But it, someone said, I don't know how to describe this Deadpool slash bullet train slash gray man ass genre, but Lord, I hate it. And I just thought, I feel like I didn't really get what, I didn't really get that meant. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the gray man is very I much. I think that's kind of how I felt. Train. I feel like maybe those other three, but also what is that? What do you mean by that? Like a action movie that's like irreverent and funny, funny, but like, I, w- I wouldn't even say that bullet train is irreverent in the way that Deadpool is, is irreverent. I don't bullet, think so either. Because Bullet Train is just like a kind of more like, well, here's an action scene, but it's all in one place, and it's like goofy. It's like John Wick, but silly. Hilly yeah, John Wick. It's a little, yeah, I agree. And Deadpool's just like, well, here's Ryan Reynolds doing improv for four hours, and we cut it down. Mm-hmm. And then Gray Man is just a, a ba- bad The worst movie thriller. I've ever seen. Or a ba- well, I, guess it's, I guess it is a little bit more like lighthearted than, say, like any other spy movie. Yeah. It's not really the same tone as like James Bond or mission impossible and i and i i accept that but i also don't know that i would i just don't i just didn't know what that meant <laughs> yeah i feel like that's like we're doing a lot of overgeneralization and mis- misappropriation of uh what also, things mean bull train's a good movie very good movie. and i like deadpool too so i i don't know we hated the gray man so i don't feel like it's those are all in good company necessarily no not at all but this this do kind of be a gray man ass <laughs> no i'm just kidding but this this do be kind of a bullet train ass genre movie if we're being completely honest completely fair yeah, it showed, it's in three-minute trailers, so you just get the whole plot. It's just one of those ones where they just do the whole thing, like, from start to finish. Mm. I didn't care for that, but... No, maybe less interested in the movie, I'm going to be honest, because I'm like... Yeah, me too. I feel like I, I know everything. They really do. It's like, he gets a thing, and then he's... And then, oh, he's 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 filling in for the star, and then it's... it's we're doing a fucking, uh... And, but actually, it's the underworld. We're doing, what's it called? Fool's Paradise, about it. But then, oh, the guy's dead, and he's in the bathtub. Aaron Taylor Johnson's dead in the bathtub, and I'm like, you didn't need to show me. Oh, and then I was, oh, he was involved in something shady, and then he's and he's out at the, and it's just like, okay, so this is the, just the whole thing, huh? Yeah. But he's doing it because he's in love with um, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. And they're in it. Okay. Right. Whatever you want. Yeah. Like I've seen it now. You know, yeah. I'll watch this one, but so trailer trash for that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Too too much. You showed too much. Make, make your trailers minute and a half. Two mi- at most two minutes. Is there anything wrong with that? Like, what do we? What happened to the art of the? the tra- I don't know. Tragedies do that though. Although, yeah, back in the day, they'd just be the whole, and there would just be like, a man literally like voicing over to tell you the plot of the film, plot. and then the tr- and little did they know it was actually the father. And it's like, well, all right, well, what's even the point? Are Butch and Sundance gonna get out of this one? No, <laughs> they die at the end. They die at the end, as you know. The historical figures, Butch Cassidy, <laughs> the Sundance kid, did die in fucking Belize or wherever they are. Wouldn't you like to watch um, what's his face? Oh, what's his name? The guys in Butch Cassidy. And the the actors, kid? yes. Uh, I had him. I knew the one of them. Paul but Newman and the other one. The other one. Paul matter. Newman and uh, the one who's in Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I know. I want to say Stalin Skarsgård. I know it's not right. I know it's horribly wrong. It's the only old white guy I can think of at this exact moment. He was in the old man and the gun. He was in that one where he's lost at sea. The the man, the old man in the sea. Mm-mm. He's in Avengers Endgame. He's in a lot of stuff. He's in Good Man. That's what you're here for, Zach. Just stand here. Just Robert come. Redford. Robert Redford. Damn it. And it was an old Hollywood name, too. A name I should have remembered. Of course it is. Like we, the, the whole joke was I thought of an old movie. Yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, 
So yeah, that's trash for that reason. But yeah, no good. We might Cash? Go see it. probably go see it again. Ryan Gosling will just just be like me for real in this film. Most I, likely. I don't know if I want to be just like this one. I don't think you have a choice. I was just gonna say, do we really have? You a choice, don't have though? a choice. You can't if you can't accept him at his gray man. Oh, fuck. you can't He's have him too. You can't have him at his Ken. He somehow he never makes it into those memes, huh? It's always Drive and fucking Barbie and and uh, Blade Runner. And nice guys and Blade Runner. Those are the good ones. Those are his four best movies. Maybe. There never goes. He just like me for real. Gray man, guy from the fucking Gray Man, <laughs> whose name is number six. He had a number. You're right. That motherfucker might not even have a name. <laughs> He's just a driver. God. Driver doesn't have a name either, does he? I think he must have a name. Does drive have a name and drive. No, he's got that cool jacket though. Yeah, you want? I want one of those jackets. You know? I'm not gonna pull it off or what? No, why not? Because you're not Ryan Gosling. What if we both got one, and you got the one that was the other color. Like the black one. I mean, I could pull it off. Oh. Because he's just... Yeah, no, he's just called Driver, man. I, I knew it. Damn, Brian Cranston's in that movie, too? Man, you didn't know that? Didn't remember. Hmm. Damn, well, look at that. Full circle. Actors are in a lot of movies, huh? Wow. 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 So they both get to be in a movie where Ryan Gosling is like a stunt driver. That's interesting. It's curious. Curious, though. All right, the third movie. Third movie. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. So the Planet of the Apes movies, man. The new ones, at least. Fascinating, right? Like, they're good. I'm like, I don't know what... I don't know what people thought of Planet of the Apes when it came out back in the day. I think they were pretty big on the first one. I think it was, yeah. And then they made a bunch of sequels. Most of which were, like, I think bad. Yeah, from what I can understand. Uh, a lot of, like, directed, like, TV and video and weirdness. But, um, yeah, I think they probably did like the first one. Nowadays, for us, it's kind of, uh, it's too campy, right? It's, like, a weird show. But it's not intentionally campy, that's the thing. It's not, camp- like, a funny way, but it's just... This is how they made movies. It's just too old. They couldn't make movies for us back to take. Yeah, they didn't know. They listen. They can't be helped. All right, they didn't know. It was before 1970. They know not what they did. Okay, they're children. They the just put of... people in monkey suits and look at their good-looking monkey suits. Well, they're they're chimps, I should say. They are apes. That's the plan of the monkeys. Those do look pretty good for them. If we're being actually like honest, like you know, they, look, they do look like apes and all. But there's just too much of like, get your hands off me, you damn, damn dirty, dirty ape. ape, or like you know. You maniacs! You, you blew it up! You, they finally did it! God damn you! Yeah. Damn God you. damn you all to hell! And all I yeah. think about when I think of Planet of the Apes is the Simpsons clip where yeah. they do the musical and he sings about Dr. Zayas. Yeah, yeah. And then he hates every APC from chimpanzee to chimpanzee, which goes hard. Yeah, so I don't know if people can, I don't know if modern audiences can really take Planet of the Apes seriously anymore. Oh, it's silly. And then there was like all those weird sequels, and then there was the Mark Wahlberg one, which is, as I understand it, pretty pretty I atrocious. Didn't you know it was Mark Wahlberg one? What? You serious? This is separate from the continuity that is portrayed currently. Yeah, right? yeah. I didn't know that. What? This is outside all James right. Franco's yeah, one. We gotta do. Watch it all right now. Yeah, live on it. Um, I think it, it was it was it was what's gonna give me a little more than that. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. I'm like 99 percent sure. You ready? I'm ready. Get a lot of use out of IMDb this <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Let's go. I don't know what it was actually called. No, no, it was just called Planet of the Apes. It was Tim Burton. Tim Burton did Planet of the Apes? What the hell? So, as we do, right? The end of, um... The end of, uh... The original, right? It has this revelation. What's his name? I it's, don't know what called. Well, it's Earth the whole time. It's Earth the whole time. Because it's actually the far-flung future, and Earth society's been destroyed by nuclear war, and that's why the apes rule. And, um... Or something to that effect, I don't know. Generally, that's speaking. why I assume that's what he meant when he says they blew it all to hell. In the new continuity, humanity's just killed by like a super virus, though. So. Because no, I always do super virus. It's much cleaner. 
Um, so I think they were like, well, we got to do a weird waste ending to ours as well. So Mark Wahlberg, who's the astronaut in this one, gets back to, he thinks he gets back to, or I don't even, I don't, I don't know. I've not actually seen it all the way through. So I don't know if he, if that's also Earth, but in a different, in a future or something. I don't know what the fuck happened. But he gets back to what he believes is his time and place, right? And he lands in Washington, D.C., as you can see here. All right, Jack, what is that? Oh, it's going to be the ape on the, it's going to be Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, if you were. Yeah. So he's a, this is the Lincoln Memorial. And he goes, oh, I'm here. I guess I'll take a walk up these steps. And we go, oh, look, it's Abraham Lincoln. What a time. Here I am. But wait. <laughs> it's General Thade. <laughs> the memory of General Thade is enshrined forever. And then... Uh, Ape cops. Ape cops. <laughs> I can't believe you've never seen this, dude. That's from 2001. Why would I... Just because of how goofy this is. So this is how this movie ends. And then, of course, they never made another one. So all that preface was just to say... I don't know how they made a bunch starting in whatever it was, like 2010, 11. Yeah, after the abysmal showing of Mark Wahlberg. And they were just fucking gas. Like, each one of them was fire. <laughs> they just, they were really cooking with those, man. Fucking. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Rise. Rotpota, Dotpota, and Watpota. War, planet. Rise, rise of Dawn of and War 4. The Planet of the Apes. So now we're in a kingdom which is, like, seemingly approaching the sort of. Society that we see in the original, yeah, right? apes. Because all the humans are like scattered and like weird, un- uncivilized tribes people, mm-hmm. and they're hunted by apes with horses. Yeah, yeah, and all the apes have like apes ape society. Yeah, they have ape society, but they don't have clothes yet. No, they're they, yeah, they're not as clothed as they are in the original, are they? And there's no doctors. We don't know that. I'm gonna assume we even got clothes, we ain't got doctors, and that's that's true, I think. But so now you've never not seen, seen these, huh? Never once, never saw them. You're missing out, man. It was 2014 they started, I guess. Huh. I was but a wee lad then. I thought it was later than, or earlier than that, I mean, but we were we were still wee lads even then. You know, it's crazy, because you know who did that? Who? You know who did Donald the Planet of the Apes? No. Old mate Matt Reeves. Oh. They saw that, they were like, give this guy Batman. <laughs> give him two Batmans, and make it a hundred years long, Matt Reeves, please, if you could. He'll fucking kill it. And you know what? Kind of did. Kind of did. Hey, you said, I'm disagree- I just repeated what you said. Oh, no, wait, I was, I was out of order. Because Dawn was after Rise. Rise was 2011. Oh, so they Rise and then they Dawn and then they War for it. Yeah, yeah, they War for it. Then they have the Kingdom. I think I think um he did War for too. Matt Reeves did, yeah. yeah. Also, the apes seem to be getting more human-shaped, human-sized. You say that, but I just think you haven't seen the other movies. So. That's also very true. <laughs> the little I've seen, the apes look mostly like apes look now, but maybe a little bit bigger. And I guess I'm basing it mostly on the way the orangutans look. Because a chimp can be a person without much changing, truthfully. Yeah. But an orangutan's got... There's some of our closest... Car- yeah, well, yeah, we share 90-90% of the same DNA. But the orangutan's have cartoonishly long arms. So, um, and there's some gorillas. Yeah, gorillas. Maybe some gibbons. I doubt those that. are big flat-faced guys, right? Or those orangutans. What's the difference orangutan. between an orangutan and a gibbon? Uh, color. Are they, not sim- are they similar at all? Uh, they're Did I just make that up? They're similar in the sense that they're both apes, but... Okay. Gibbons are probably are closer to the gorillas and chimps because they live in Africa. Yeah, see, they're doing the same thing in this. Don't you think? Yeah. This is the last one. I'm just saying. You said they were like walking and stuff. I don't know. Well, no, they look. They they're like they look like more human shaped because they, they're than still. That? Yeah, like Caesar's walking around. I, I think know. Caesar looks different, like fully in the new trail. Like, see, look, that orangutan. Well, it's got, not Caesar. That's not Caesar. I'm saying in the new one, it's not. Oh well, then my apologies. But no, that would still support your thing that like because time it's been it's been too long, Caesar. Mm-hmm. I mean, spoilers for War of the Planet of the Apes, but he 
he does die at the end directly, but also oh, I, shit. I think he would be dead anyways because they're just apes. It seems like it's been a long time. Yeah, it seems like it's been a good long time. This easy to make him immortal, but it made them smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. think about it. They're smart. It, it made them smart, but it killed the pe- things that were only one percent different DNA wise. Yeah. God bless them. Also, like genetically, somehow it's one of those things where they're playing into Lamarckian genetics. I feel because and that works. Although I feel like if anything could do it, it might be that right. Because like a virus would, a virus can actually like mess with your uh, RNA and stuff, right? It I can. That works. I guess it could. Well, I don't. We're but... trying to apply. I don't know. I'm just trying to I'm trying to no prize it, Jack. I'm trying to explain how the Alzheimer's the Alzheimer's cure, cure made the apes made smart. the apes smart made all the apes and the smart. apes children's smart. You, you know what I'm saying, right? Like how yeah. are their how are their descendants also smart? It's like that stoned ape theory that made us smart. It's kind of oh, like yeah? that. You familiar with this? No. It's the idea that um. The reason we're smart is because our ancestors just did a bunch of mushrooms and like saw God and gained consciousness, which is um, oh what what's the word oh the most asinine thing I've ever fucking, fucking heard in my life. Not anything works at all. Fucking hippies and their psychedelics, Jack. They're like it'll cure you. Yeah, no th- ego death. I'll pass. Saw God. It didn't. Your I brain just didn't it. know what was going on. Your brain just had everything hitting it at once, and it was like maybe this dude. So weird. I assume this is like a descendant of. Caesar. Caesar's, if I had to guess, right? See, he looks He looks like, well, I guess you can't tell on this orangutan's arms are. So Gibbons are the big flat face ones, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think they have flat faces. Who's the big flat face guy? I think you're thinking of orangutans, the ones that have their heads. Well, the f- who was that guy just there? That was also an orangutan. His fl- his face wasn't very flat at all. Yeah, there's some there's something called the genetic variety, my man. Oh, yeah. Okay, they just, some of them just do it. Because there's one of the other movies that looks like pretty similar to that. Yeah, I don't know what's with their faces like that. I don't know what causes that. I think it's that. like an alpha male thing. Probably. That's usually why that stuff happens. Especially with that This guy just looks kind of normal. That could be a guy. Or it could be a could be a woman. Woman orangutan? Yeah. Who knows? Well, King gorilla. That's fun. Is he a gorilla? Uh, I would. I don't know what else he would be. I can't tell if he's just. A, you don't think he's a chimp? Well, because gorillas usually have like black faces, and chimps usually don't. From what I understand, maybe he's, maybe he's a different kind of chimp. He could be a bonobo a chimp. chimp. Yeah, I think he was just a chimp. The gorillas have different. Their arms are all huge. Yeah, but I'm just saying they may, maybe the, maybe their arms have changed because of the virus. Maybe because if they're getting closer to the planet of the apes than the original planet of the apes, they become yeah. They got to get to a point where they're weird. Although, do you take that too far? If you get to a point where you're trying to create a, some kind of like you know human esque, yeah, like of like higher evolved chimpanzee that doesn't really exist, is that a thing you do? I don't know. I'm probably not. Probably not, right? Not in this day and age, well, they're wearing symbols and clothes. See, they're getting close to clothes. Mm-hmm. That guy could be a doctor. I take that back. That orangutan's probably a doctor. He did look kind of like a doctor, right? He's, he had, he's got a symbol in clothes. They're hunting humans. Are they eating humans? Are they enslaving humans? We don't really have a good idea of, like, uh, there's another one, right, where the I don't think there's a ton of plot, but yeah. it seems like there's some kind of internal conflict, really, between... The ape tribes. Because the humans do not seem to be much of a factor in this one at all. Yeah. feels like it's going to be a... They want to... Caesar's descendant group... The orangutans would be like, hey, probably humans? good ones, right? Yeah. And there's going to be some ones who are like, oh, we got to enslave humans or whatever. And it's probably going to be like, that's not cool. I like their uh, their ocean fort. That's cool. Yeah. That's also kind of reminiscent of the first one, right? Because they're on the coast. I don't know. Yeah. That's, well, that's where they find Statue yeah, of Liberty. They're staring at the Statue of Liberty out there somewhere. So. God damn you. It's on Memorial Day, only in theaters. Yeah, a little, a little ways off. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I wonder if this is going to do like a, like I said, is this going to be a new trilogy where, yeah, we can build two. Planet of the Apes? Because. It, you, you wouldn't know this, but in the first one, there's reference to the astronauts going off into space. So oh. 
You know, they just put that out there, so at any point they could have the astronauts show back up and do some shenaniganry. You know, be a, do a Charlton Heston about it. It'd be funny if they went all the way back around, got trying to, and just remade all those original bad movies, the sequels. The weird sequel. Eventually, it gets to a point where the humans come back. The apes come back, I believe. What do you mean the apes come back? Aren't they already back in the planet? No, like somehow the apes from the future messed up world end up in like modern. Oh. Day Earth and are like we're apes from the future. <laughs> oh my god! And, and they... the humans are like, "You're what? What happens to us? What do you? I mean? don't think I care for the, <laughs> the implications of this. I think we should kill you. Yeah, I think that's kind of part of it. And they go, "No, no, please wait." There's some like underground uh, nuclear worshiper type individuals in the second movie, I believe. Hmm. Like, look at this atom bomb. It gives us look, we're all glowy green because it's a you know '60s sci-fi movie. Don't don't trust nuclear power. We're paid for by the oil. I think in that one, Caesar is like descendant. Like he's from the future. He's not the first one. He's the first smart one. He's the future one. Yeah. So it's a whole. It's a whole. You think is any circus in this at all? I didn't. I don't know. I was gonna ask that. He's like the guy though. He's so like the guy. I would assume he would be. Oh yeah. The, this main guy's name is Proximus Caesar. So he's clearly like a descendant of him. Descendant of him. As he's not. A, he doesn't make it on the thing. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, did. I don't know. I don't know how much of it he did it actually for the other one. Like, did he just do? Caesar, or did he do other work? I'm not, I'm not actually positive. Me neither. As far as the mocap stuff. I guess I don't know how much of that he even does anymore, though, to be completely honest, right? Right. He's getting up there. Yeah, does he do... Like, when's the last time he did, like, a big mocap mo thing? Role? I don't know. There's probably one we're not thinking of, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's cool. So, now I, now I know we gotta make, make you watch all the Planet of the Apes movies before. Or the three good ones. You don't have to watch them all. But we'll watch the three good ones before. My, uh... You love monkeys My and stuff, My never man. ends. Well, they're apes, they're not monkeys. Ted I said stuff. monkeys and stuff. Yeah, nice. Barely save. I like all the, I like all like of God's primate. creatures. Like all right. You don't like them all, though. I and know. bears and well, alligators. They're just scary. Alligators are scary. I don't, I don't care what you tell me. I, I don't agree. That's why I would never say I love them. Oh, good. No, hey. God bless you. I, I, I went to visit Africa on a trip. Somebody was, I think I've told you a story, but I'll say it in the podcast. It'd be fun. We're in, like in a national park in Tanzania, and there are hyenas and lions and all those sorts of animals roaming about. And uh, one guy I was on a trip with was like making hyena sounds to draw them closer. And I was like, "Hey, man, you need to stop." And he's like, yeah, "What are you scared? What are you scared of this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm scared of yeah, the big predator. I'm scared of hyenas. They're gonna gaslight me to be afraid of the African predator. They think it'll bite my sternum in half." And I saw one. Yeah, they bite. They bite really hard, right? Like they have a remarkably uh, strong bite. And they eat me alive because. Yeah, like what is this guy? This guy run on some Lion King shit? Or like, oh, they're like tiny and little compared to the lions. I'm not a lion. Yeah, a lion's pretty big. Hyenas are huge. A lion's big compared to me. Our hyenas are like the biggest, like some of the biggest dogs that exist, right? Not technically dogs. Like canines, I mean. Though. Okay. Yeah. I know I they're so. not literally dogs. They have an 1100 psi bite force. Why? So they can get into the marrow <laughs> of a fucking. They can really get to that marrow. Of a fucking gazelle. Oh yeah. They got weird sexual dimorphism too. It's very right. weird. Females can have uh, super long clits that look like penises. Mm, that's cool. And, they, and they're really big. They're good for them. Yeah, God bless them. But yeah, you, you see a hyena at night when you're going to pee in Africa? Scariest goddamn thing ever. You, that happened? That happened. You saw one out there? I like looked out. I didn't, it probably wouldn't literally just like come fuck with you, right? But, no, but I wouldn't fuck with it. No, I agree. I walked out of my tent, scared, scared of it, most scared I've ever been. And I'm looking around and I see one just up, right at the edge of the light and I'm like, Fuck this, dude. They, they are phylogenetically closer to felines and viverids. What's a viverid? Is that like a, like a little like badgers and shit? Shut up, badgers. Those are viverids? Like, I don't know. These are all the weird Latin names. Oh, ferrets. Oh, no, wait. The name comes from the Latin word for ferret, vivera, but ferrets are in a different family. <laughs> Thanks. 
Well, those those are. Bu- See, Jack, you know what I always say. Well, hey, you know what, and you know what I say. Yes, okay? I know. Uh, hyenas are behaviorally and morphologically closer to canids in several elements due to convergent evolution. God bless convergent evolution. I was just I was just trying to find out how big they are. Right. They can be like two hundred pounds. Oh yeah, easily. Females for sure. Females are the big ones. No, no, maybe not quite. This is ninety-eight to one hundred and forty female adult surrogate. Here's the thing: one hundred forty pound thing, big thing. What's big? Yeah, nice. big thing. If it's I guess I, th- I thought they were like significantly bigger than like wolves, but one hundred forty would be like a rem- a remarkably rare gray wolf. Yeah, I don't think I think those technically exist, but you don't see them often. No, they don't usually get that big. Predators don't usually get that big because the energy you need to sustain that is mm-hmm. enormous. Mm-hmm. But also, hyenas are like uh, wolves. That they're like hunting packs, right? Yeah, or at pack. least with a couple. Yeah, they'll hunt individuals. Packs. How, however you call that. Yeah, usually a female-led pack. Yeah. Well, they say like wolf packs aren't really a thing. It's usually like they're, they're more like families, right? Yeah. Well, it's like the alpha thing. Cause that guy didn't know how to do yeah, that science. Guy, that guy just made that, that shit all up. Yeah, like it was a liar. <laughs> yeah, but then I think people misconstrued sometimes and think alphas don't exist in, in, in any context. Which yeah, like, well, that's not true. That's there not are true there are alpha in like other primates and also lions. And yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, for sure. but not as much with wolves. I've always I've heard that it's more like breeding pairs with mm-hmm. their children, and then they all just kind of hang out, and they all hang out together because it's easier to. Hunt. Yeah, but it's not like a bunch of families, and they're like, "Oh, this is King Wolf. We elected Wolf him. King. <laughs> we elected him because of how good he is. We did the wolf election. Because also the thing is the more the bigger your pack is, the more food you need as well. Kind of yeah, the more territory you gotta go. Kind of like comes back around to being less useful again. Uh, uh, go monk. So the ape movie. Return to monk. Return to monk. Reject tradition. Embrace monk. Or embrace modernity. Embrace monk. Well, the monks are embracing modernity in in this world. So what does that tell you? We've gone too far. We've poisoned even the monks. Yeah, they all got like grenades and machine guns and shit. So riding horses. It's cool. God bless them. They blew up the Statue of Liberty or whatever. Yeah. Well, again, I don't think that happened in this timeline, in this version, because there's no, there was no nuclear holocaust. Hey, it was just they're they're in they're in some kind of old timey machine thing. Yeah. So they could blow up a big the, shipwrecked boat of some kind. So. Yeah. See, so they could still blow up the Statue of Liberty. They yeah, probably see it there. They'll probably do a reference, be like, "Look, there it is." Who's the current guy that you'd use? It was Charlton Heston back in the day. Then it was Mark Wahlberg. Who's our guy in 2023? We still got Mark Wahlberg. You can't, no, you can't. You can't double dip Mark Wahlberg? He's too old. You can't be... Timothy Chalamet. I was going to say, it's got to be Chalamet or Tim Holland. Tim. Not Holland. Well, then Chalamet it is. Chalamet it is. He, we need him for Spider-Man 4 through 1,000 or whatever. That'll do well, yeah. I like that Chalamet. Yeah. He hasn't auditioned anything in like four years. Incredible. So, Rudy, uh, got anything else to say about any of the trailers? No, no, no. Excellent. So, we're going to check out of that. It's everyone's favorite segment we do, very consistently. We're talking about Wheel of Time, but the books that we like, not the show. Uh, so Wheel of yeah. Time turns. Ages. Well, they come and They'd pass. be passing, bro. I mean, this one's passed. So we've, mm-hmm. the final age, the last three books we've finally read, uh, 12, 13, and 14, The Gathering Storm, The Towers of Midnight, and A Memory of Light, all written by Brandon. It's just C. Towers of Midnight. Hmm? Isn't it just Towers of Midnight? Don't ever speak up against me. <laughs> Don't interrupt me ever again. Oh, Christ. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that didn't happen. Ooh. Yeah, no, you're right. It's Towers of Midnight. Um, uh, written by ben- Brandon Sanderson after the unfortunate death of Robert Jordan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Real long. Longest books of all of Wheel of Time. No, they're not. The last one is? It is not. Not word count-wise. Okay. Might just be something with the typeface in there. Sure. But Lord of Chaos and Shadow Rising are both longer. I'm going to delete what Zach said that, so <laughs> don't even worry about it, listeners. Um, again. Well, I mean, as far as I know, I've. It it's hard to pin down because 
thousand. They don't put edition. word counts out officially mm-hmm. like that. Like it's all kind of up to fans to do it themselves and stuff. Because yeah, again, they, they don't they don't publish that. Tor isn't just like. By the way, this is how many words we printed. Because who the fuck? Right, that's just not who a thing cares? That anyone needs unless you're a big dumb. Yeah. So, but they are long. They're among the longest for sure. Um. So basically, just in general, right? Yeah. Brandon Sanderson's turn on these books is um. It's a big. It's you know. It's a matter of of quite a bit of discourse. If one can believe it. Among the the Wheel of Time fandom, um, you know, a lot of people like these books. Think there's a lot to enjoy in them for sure. But there's there's also a fair bit of criticism about some of the things, some of the choices he makes, I guess. And I would say in general, we didn't have a lot of problems. Um, I can also see where some of these complaints come from. To be honest, though, mm. my thing more than anything though is that a lot of the choices he's making the thing the thing about them is they're not really choices yeah it's just i don't think and i don't think really anyone does um that he just came in and wanted to really like you know shake his will on everything it was just it's a fortunate situation i think in a lot of cases he really i i genuinely believe he was trying to do the very best with what he you know what he was given you know Mm. those people were like i saw i we talked you know i talked just about some of the crazy things i saw where some people were very dramatic about it like you know, he basically, like, I think so. I, somebody just said the most kind of, like, milk toast thing, which was, overall, he had a positive effect. And someone was like, I don't know if I would really, if I can really agree with that. And it's like, well, he finished the books, man. Well, you got the ending. It's one of those things where, I don't know. Obviously, the best option would have been nothing happened and Robert Jordan could finish them. But given with what we have, it's like, yeah, could someone have done better? Maybe I don't know yeah. though. Like who, right? Yeah, Brandon said. I actually, Brandon has even said in like some interview we talked about the whole thing mm-hmm. that he knew that when Harriet offered to him that no one knew the Wheel of Time better than he did, and no one could write as well as he did. Like no one had that mix. Either the people knew it more and couldn't. He didn't think could write as well as he could, or people mm-hmm. could write better than him, but they didn't. They weren't as invested in the series, right? Which is not necessarily even like a super conceited thing thing for him to say i don't think i think it's yeah it is just kind of realistic to an to an extent yeah i mean it's just a very specific yeah it's a very specific individual they were looking for that he just happened to to fit perfectly to fit the bill of but again did he write it exactly like he would have no but again a lot of the things he does is is honestly just for lack of knowledge like i don't i don't know how how much he had to work with and i don't don't know that we ever will right i don't know how much of that has been made public we we know he left like three million words of Uh various things that reverend wrote some parts of the end yeah and yeah there is there's a decent amount of stuff that or at least i i I don't even know as far as we understand yeah yeah. i don't even know what that would mean though but there is definitely stuff in all three of these these published books that were directly written by robert jordan robert jordan and then there's yeah, there's plenty of stuff that was like Half probably more thoroughly uh, Brandon. You know? I think there's, there's there's probably a whole spectrum where it's there's either all Robert, all Brandon, and then more Robert than Brandon, more Brandon than Robert, and then half. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's probably a good way because there's definitely stuff that he completely fabricated, like Andrew. Like yeah, so there's this character Andrew, which is the target of some specific criticism, depending on where you you fall down on on him. Um, I also think. And maybe this isn't uh, a thing people like to really bring up just because it's like, I don't know if it's necessary, necessarily. Mm-hmm. That's a word. <laughs> necessary, necessarily. <laughs> um, it's not, it isn't strictly necessary. I'll just say that. But, you know, the thing is, we talked about when we read all the other books, I don't think they were perfect either. 
oh, is, no, is no. the thing. And, 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 you know, we were pretty vocal about some of our more specific complaints. So it's not like if he had survived. I don't I don't know that his books would have been perfect either, to yeah. be honest. And especially the big thing, type of slot off pod because we were still reading them, that from the way the 11th book, Knife of Dreams, is written, and from what we understand, he, at least as as of writing book 11, intended that the last, A Memory of Light would be the 12th and final edition yeah. to the series, and it would be a 12 series. And very, and as you can tell, if by the three massive vol- like tomes that are the final stretch, that wasn't going to happen. And based mm-hmm. on how he writes, and it's been joked, it might have been like six, five or six more books, yeah. which is crazy to imagine. But you know, he joked at the time that he it, it, that a memory of light would be the last one if he had to take it to tour in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> he had to, yeah, he'd bring the manuscript to tour in a wheelbarrow, which was like a funny joke, but like I mean, literally, it sounds like real. Yeah, I don't know. You're gonna pull a Worlds of Radiance or Warbreaker? Like, can't Lily can't print a book that big? Um. Again, yeah, a lot of people have argued that if anything, it would have been longer. Like, yeah, it could have easily been four or five books, which I can't even imagine. It's yeah, it's hard to it's hard to really conceive of because the again the eleventh book does uh, is pretty heavy handed and it's like, hey, we're setting up for the last book here. This is going to be the last one, guys. Everyone decides it like, oh, we got to go actually right now. Um, so even even as is with three books, it's like. There's times you're like, oh, okay, we've been we've been getting to it this whole, like for three books now. Are we there or what? Are we there? Like, come on. I'm liking this, but like, come on. And I just, I think what happens is like, you know, because he passed away, unfortunately, and, and didn't get to finish it, that, you know, and this happens a lot of times with people in all kind of, you know, different situations, right? Uh, you know, whether it's like, obviously, real life, you know, people you know, real relationships kind of thing, or just, yeah, people who you know through their art and stuff. That when people are, yeah, like they die young or unable to finish or whatever, you know, people think tend to think of them even more fondly mm. um, than it kind of might have otherwise. So I feel like because of that, you know, people's idea of what the last books could have been. Are much closer to uh, Shadow Rising, Lord of Chaos, and less sure. like a Winter's Heart and Crossroads of Twilight, which is like, you kind of got to take, it'd probably exactly. be somewhere in the middle of the, those both. I think a lot of people basically just kind of believe that if Robert Jordan had finished them, they would have no complaints. They would have been perfect. Mm. You know, whatever that would mean to them. To them. That those, yeah. That they would have been the actual, you know, literal ideal. Ending for the series. And I don't know that that's true. Yeah, I just don't know if that's realistic either. So, that all being said. Let's do Brando changes. So, something we noticed, or you noticed more specifically, because you're the more Brando... Uh, experienced one of the two of us, mm-hmm. as I don't know if we've ever talked about on the show, uh, is that you know, and I noticed this as well, um, that it's more upbeat, that the characters are more, there's there's more of a like, a less cynicism maybe you said, I can't remember how you worded it, mm-hmm. but there, there's there's less like doom and gloom all the time. Because sometimes yeah. he get Jordan get a little bit of like, well, everything's kind of fucked sometimes and the world's kind of cruel. Brandon Sanderson can have that little more of like, well, there's hope though. Come on, yeah. Even even the more serious characters have a little bit more humor sprinkled throughout. Whether it's from them or other characters who are kind of like bouncing off of them, Mm -hmm. being funny in ways. There's just generally, I think, a little bit more levity, levity sprinkled throughout. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, obviously, the biggest, obviously, is Andrel, a totally whole cloth new character Mm -hmm. that has been spun out for this. uh, Who is an Ashaman of the Black Tower? Who is the weakest Ashaman? By far, like probably the weakest man 
we know of who could ever channel, um, but who can only do, who's really good at traveling. He's a talent for it. And it's the only thing he can do well and everything else he sucks at. And it's basically him and all his boys trying to not get possessed by time and taken over. Um, so I liked Andrew. We both liked him. We thought it was cool. He does some, that's just cool black tire stuff. Yeah, I agree. I do not have a particular problem with him. No. I didn't even know he was, I just thought, I didn't even really could tell that he was just a new character. I, I, I fully would expect Robert Horton to be like, and here's a new guy we follow. Um, He is in one of the other books. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, he just wasn't. That prominent. Yeah, there wasn't anything to him. Basically, I think, as I understand it, he literally was like, hey, Harriet, who's a character I could like. Expand upon. Yeah, basically make my own. And that's, that's the, well, I guess, one of the ones he was given and he ran with it. Um, and people say that he has a tendency towards a bit too much, like, I mean, whatever you want to call it. I think I'm, people probably would apply the whole, like, Mary, Mary Sue, Gary Stu type thing to him. Like, he's this guy who's, like, been everywhere and done everything kind of thing. And I, I get that to an extent. But overall, he's, you know, he's pretty limited. But he is sometimes kind of written in a way that, like, like they tell they tell us that he's limited. But he does all this stuff. in practice, it doesn't really seem to affect him much. He does seem to be able to hang with pretty much anyone so I, I get some of it again it didn't really bother me though mm-hmm. i thought it was cool i still think he is interesting uh, uh, with him in particular a big thing that people point out is that like they think that his character um is is kind of put above the character of Logan. that like basically the stuff that he does could could have been done by Logan, and that it's you know that's to the detriment of the series and the detriment of that you know the pre-established character and all that and I get that to a certain extent, the idea that, like, well, there's all this, you know, set up and stuff. Why is that not, you know, why is that not used more? But the thing is, I, I if we're being completely honest, is that there's a, there's a bit of setup, or quite a bit of setup, like, earlier on in the series for Logan, but I would argue that Robert Jordan doesn't deliver. Robert right. Jordan doesn't do much with him in, in his last couple books anyways. So, mm, he doesn't, like, he kind of, he gives him to the sea folk, he does that with the sea folk, and then we don't see him again until book 13 12 whenever andrew finds him right but that's i'm saying that even before then in the in the ones that were just robert jordan i'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying i'm saying he disappears and then he robert well, he doesn't dis- use him well robert jordan uses him in you know knife of dreams but then he doesn't show up in gathering storm or oh yeah i can't remember i don't remember what he did in knife and dreams besides the that's when he goes to the sea folk who do you oh that's when he goes to sea folk i don't remember sea folk way earlier i don't know yeah. why um so he doesn't yeah he just doesn't do all of that much and and it's the same with the black tower like in general is it honestly kind of seems like robert jordan didn't quite know how to resolve that yeah plot line like he didn't know what to do because it was several books i remember where every time we were like okay surely now is when they address this and it just kept it just you know he just kind of kept kicking that can down the road right yeah where characters would be like well something's going wrong here but let's eh. not worry about it i guess Logan has Mazarin hasn't done anything actively evil yet that we know of, I suppose. I suppose I have to fight the Shan Chan, I guess. Uh, whatever. So yeah, I didn't. You know, I don't think again. Basically, I just don't think it can all be laid at a uh, Brandon Sanderson's feet. I, I think he just kind of makes a convenient scapegoat to an extent, yeah. right? To be like, well, again, all these problems are here, so they must be his fault. I just I don't think that's really fair. Mm-hmm. If we're being completely honest. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, in terms of like stuff we really enjoyed, I think I think that these these books have some of my favorite scenes. I think in the whole in the whole series or, or among them, you know. Oh, absolutely. So I think honestly, of the three, my favorite might be the Gathering Storm. If anything, it might actually go in like reverse order there. Not that any of them are bad, um, but I can kind of see why people might find 
a memory of light, at least a bit, maybe a little underwhelming. I don't know. It didn't, I guess it just didn't quite blow me away as much as I thought it would. Yeah. Which is maybe not like a fair expectation, but I mean, it is the, you know, the very last one. It's a culmination. So I don't think it's, you know, entirely unfair either to expect expect that, but Gathering Storm has primarily, it's it's Egwene and it's Ran. And yeah, they, um, I mean, we could talk about this now too, but like we, we discovered that there's a big subsect of the Wheel of Time fandom who like genuinely dislikes Egwene and... Not because she's a woman though, of course. Proud, I guess not. So they say. Um, yeah. To the extent that they genuinely think that she's like meant to be unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, she has flaws, but so do they all. Like, I just... Yeah, and uh, yeah, Gwen's whole thing is she has to like she fixes the eyes to die. She makes them all better. Yeah, some people have, with Egwene in particular, have some really specific critiques. And I just don't think, I, like, I've seen people, yeah, outright say, like, oh, yeah, well, clearly Robert Jordan wanted, you know, her to basically be, like, a villain that you sympathize with anyways. And I'm like, I don't, I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, I don't think one of the main people of the story from book one is the vil- is a villain. Like, literally, people downright say, like, she's e- she's literally evil, or she's almost as bad as the Dark One, and it's just like, what, are we reading the same books, man? Like, come on. You yeah. can't actually tell me that's, you think that's one of the, the messages you were meant to walk away from this with. But, anyways, she's, like, literally probably my second favorite character, especially by the end here. Between the, you know, the, the previous three that we read, and then these last three, I think it kind of solidifies for me. I, I'm a big fan of hers. Absolutely. Um, so, she gets a lot of cool stuff to do in... This one, this where, and this adds to our even in this book, we were like, no way, it was gonna do this in one because she does three crazy yeah. things in this one book. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, her is the Shan Chan is the first thing she does, first big thing that happens with her. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so her her dream comes to pass, and she's like, guys, I think the Shan Chan's gonna fuck everything up, and they're like, you idiot, no, it's not. They'd never attack us, and they attack them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she gathers them. She like save doesn't save them all, but she like rallies them she around. She kind of does. I mean, she does. A she really she good saves job them. She she mitigates damage at the very least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. She she gets a cool wand, uh, Angriol, Sarangriol, whatever it is, and makes like a circle with like novices and shows her like absolute dominating power, which is an awesome scene. I loved it. Yeah, it's one of the ones I had written down is uh her saving all those novices and being like, I'm not letting them have you. You know, I'll do the best. Especially because she was, you know, made a Damani as a novice. So I think it's specifically a, a thing yeah. for her where yeah. she's like, I'm not letting, I'm not letting them touch any of you. And the whole time she's been there and as a captive in the tower, like the novices were all behind her kind of thing. So mm, it was yeah. all pretty cool. And then she also, during that fight, saves the sitter of the Green Aja. Or the, I think it's the head, no less. She's the yeah. head of the Green Aja, the uh, Battlemaster? Lord Captain or whatever. Oh, yeah, what do they call her? And uh, she's like, man, I thought, thought I was kind of sick. She's like, I thought, man, we were the we we're the green eye. We're supposed to battle Aja, battle Aja my ass. Got our asses kicked. Getting beat up over her. And then she just rolls up and kind of saves the day. And then she also, there's a scene with Varen in yeah. this book where she, um, Varen reveals that she's been Black Aja the whole time, but she's been kind of this double agent. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. She was, the Varen stuff was one of the, like, the, the twists that I was most, or whatever, the, I don't know if we thought, knew it was going to be a twist, but I saw, you know, we know there was something. Uh, to be revealed there at the very least that I was excited to get towards in the end and that was cool when we got that. Um, she's probably got one of the most impactful deaths in the whole thing, I would say. Oh, yeah. It's a really good one. It's up there. Um, so that one and then also, you know, she just, she she reunifies the White Tower and yeah, brings everyone back into the fold. and Executes a bunch of Black Aja and the other ones run away to join the Dark One for the battle. They raise her to Armalin. 
they're like, all right, let's let's get to work fixing everything. Uh, and that's all her stuff for that one. And Rand's stuff in this one is... It's the opposite of Egwene, where Egwene kind of rises to glory. Rand gets the worst he's ever been. He just yeah. he has an absolute downward spiral in Ardaman. He's trying... He keeps trying to, like, make order, and he keeps sending the Aeol around to do shit. The Aeol aren't happy, and the people of Ardaman aren't happy, and everything's kind of not working out. And he's getting worse and worse and worse, uh, to the point where uh, he almost just goes... He goes berserk once or twice, because... Uh, they have some no, they have Semarog. Yeah, and then they got like oh, we gotta figure out how to get Semarog, and then uh, Shadar, whatever his name is, Shadar Haran, Haran releases her and is like, all right, use the male Adam they have, go get Rand and just bring him back. It's pretty easy. So he does that, and it, in that thing when he's so helpless, he gets the true source and just erases her with Balefire, and that's when he starts his true descent because he like almost kills Cad Swain, threatens to execute her, she just nourishes him up, Balefire. And he, like, is just so... He just scares everyone. Everyone's very afraid of him because he just, like, can do anything. He abandons Ardemon at one point, And then in a last-ditch effort, they try to get his dad. It's like, all right, maybe his dad will fix him. And even then, once they once he once he lets the lets it spill that, you know, the Aes Sedai brought him there, freaks out again because he was trying to control him. And then he almost kills his dad and then runs off to the Dragon Mount. And well, first he's going to go to Ardem- or, um, Abudar, Abudar, Abudar to kill everyone. Kill everybody. With his uh, key, but basically it's all—it's more or less. He comes to realize like a a lot of it's kind of planned hmm. to try to kind of bring him down. I mean, we knew for like several books now that he something was going to have to happen to mitigate the changes that were happening to him, right? Yeah. So you know, at some point in the series, um, like four or five ish, he decides he has to like basically become more um, more hardened and like less less emotional, and and that he he can't really care about people and stuff to, to kind of do what he needs to, to do at least so he thinks mm-hmm. um and it we knew for several books now that they were trying to, to mitigate this in him right so really and and cad swain in particular have this scene where they're like hey this guy's he's going too far yeah, we gotta, we gotta, bring, gotta him, bring him back we gotta rein him in and the whole time we're like man when are they gonna get to that when are they gonna get to that man he's just kind of getting worse and worse and it really yeah it goes absolutely berserk obviously in, in this book um you know which which kind of makes sense to to an extent that like obviously they bring it all the way as low as he can get before uh, he rises, he rises back up. Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard to be like you know on his side, obviously. Mm. You know, he's doing so, he does some stuff that I think is less like the whole like oh I can't believe he killed the uh, the Forsaken, which I mean he does blow up the whole house, which presumably would have got some like innocence, innocence. But there's there's also the idea of like well they were all they're all, they're all their minds were scrambled, compelled, so they were barely even alive anymore. Yeah, but that's treated as like one of his most heinous acts yeah, i don't i don't know if, but yeah the stuff with his dad and when he just abandons that whole country you know it's it's looking pretty down for him he 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 starts talking about how like he's gonna let land die because then he'll, oh, yeah. he'll distract the armies the dark ones so that he can strike while they're distracted and he was like what are you talking about man she's like don't be stupid now you've got to do this um but then he had in in his uh it's all over he finds an invincible we're so back within himself on the dragon mount uh because then Luz Theran, quote unquote, in his head, is like, well, maybe we have. He's like, oh, we keep failing. We failed everyone once. What? He's like, well, maybe we, maybe we're back to do to do it right this time. And then he has his epiphany, and he realizes that Luz Theran is actually not, as the series maybe tries to let you believe, it's actually not a separate person in his head. It's just him. There was never Luz. It was always just Rand because they're the same person. And kind uh, of. 
kind of in enough in enough a way that they're not separate souls kind of thing it's not necessarily that it isn't separate or like it was but it's it's not actually a different personality mm-hmm. that was trying to like take over his body yeah this is kind of the conclusion he comes to and they and he can just harmonize them both and he has all the memories and he he remembers being both kind of thing yeah but yeah his epiphany i think is really really well done and really interesting and that's the type of stuff like that yeah i i generally do think maybe robert or, or um Brandon Sanderson just does better like there's more earnest heartfelt character work mm-hmm. is what i really enjoy in a lot of his books yeah i think it comes through really strong here because he's he's about to like just he's like maybe i should just destroy everything because the, this whole concept of the wheel and everything turns and we just do it again and over and over and it repeats is it, is it all pointless like what's why are we even bothering like maybe i should just destroy it all and that's how we win because even if we win what if it just happens again kind of thing yeah um and then he's like oh w- yeah what if we get turned out again and again so that we can do better do better time. and you know it's about like what i mean for lack of a better term like it's 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 about the journey not the destination kind of thing like yeah everything kind of loops back around but in the moment you can still you know love and find you know joy and happiness and you know in your interactions with the the people around you kind of thing mm-hmm. so i i think that's a great moment and then from then on he's a much more mellow enlightened kind of version of himself yeah he's yeah he's more like a, a buddha-esque figure mm-hmm. where he's like kind of above it he's like well now i kind of see everything in full view like i'm, I'm above even this conflict because it's like well it doesn't even matter that we're fighting we just need to get to the end yeah exactly he, he honestly almost yeah like transcends to an extent he just he can like um see dark friends by sight yeah he's got <laughs> just that. by looking into their eyes he shows up and like it, the pattern has shifted so because we get we get a little more explained with his taviranness or his shifting of the pattern where it's like yeah before like all the bad things that happen are supposed to bounce out but now the dark one is doing so much bad stuff that Rand only produces good things like he fixes our demon by just being like well I'm just because everything just kind of works out he finds his very presence is like makes all the plants come back to life and it's like probability reappears basically yeah he like opens the bag of grain it's like well it's it wasn't impossible. You just didn't open the fine. You just stopped opening bags. Yeah. They opened half of all the, the bags, and every single one of them was rotten. Was rotten. But now the other half are all going to be perfectly fine. Cause it's just like, like oh, it just works out. Which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I do like the way they did that. Like he he has this moment where he's literally just like, listen, all this, all the like the deception and the subterfuge and like the this is all. It's just we're just going to be directly fighting now. I've got no time for this. Look at he tried to be you know do all his sneaky. Back machinations hand. on me and it it didn't work i'm still here so now, let's just get to the cut to the chase of it all yeah though. he's gonna attack me just full on now because we're gonna fight out and then he has to he fixes um well actually also in book 12 he sends uh rodell uh to die pretty much or to just kind of die defending the borderlands this is okay. a great scene it's a great scene uh and then he goes and saves them um which also ties into something that i thought of and then we talked about it off pod of like wishing rand had more like was more special in a way and like having more abilities because they he says in the battle when he saves them that he does a big show of like channeling and he channels the most anyone has ever done he doesn't he didn't have like a angriel or a key or anything and he's like oh that was close we almost just went at it but i almost feel like he should have more or like have his own version of like like how the dark ones dark friends or the forsaken have like the true source or whatever they use they're like Dark One channeling. He should have some kind of creator channeling right at the end, which he kind of does, but it's not a huge complaint. I just feel like it would work better for me. For what? Well, because because he's the dragon and he's like special, and the Dark One's like, well, you're like 
we're always going to fight and we're like destined to fight. So it feels like he should be more than just a guy who can channel and, and like put himself above like Loghain and Mazen who are false dragons who are strong but are missing that extra piece. Like like if they're, it, it doesn't ruin I mean, it. The way, if you remember the thing I said was I think a way you could interpret it is that being the dragon is, and then the series definitely deals with this kind of idea that it's 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 not just something that you are or something that like you know it like something that you get. It's it's a responsibility, right? It's a duty that you have. Like it's hard. It's not really fun. Like well, yeah, no, which is I, kind of the whole concept that um, I I know Robert Jordan said like that was one of his kind of ideas for the premise. It was like, what if someone told you you were you know the savior of all mankind and you didn't want to be? And the thing I. I said to you, I, I think we talked about this at least, was that I think maybe a way you could interpret it is that all the prophecies and stuff were not necessarily stuff that he, you know, ha- that like had to, it's not necessarily like the order that we think it is and that like, oh, he does these things, which means he gets to be the dragon. It's more so these are the things that someone would need to do to be the dragon. To have to become the dragon. Like it's, a, it's, he had to do all that stuff so that he could get to the place so that he could he could be the guy that they needed him to be because it, it's more it is ultimately more about like will in his mm-hmm. spirit than it is about whatever magic he could do right right yeah and even though he had all these like dark spots and in, in there yeah there's this moment where it seems like it could all be over and you know there's there's low moments throughout the whole series right i think you need all those to create the perfect storm of the guy that he becomes right even even the, his lowest moments like when the the tower gets him and they have him in that box and they're beating him and it, and that seems to have a really lasting effect on him and that's part of the reason he gets you know the way he does in the in the back half of the series mm. but ultimately that was it was all like necessary steps for him to, to, to get to the the place he needed to be like i like that idea in which case yeah it's not, and ultimately i mean that's what their last the the battle is right mm. their final fight at the end isn't really a big magic this big fight. like oh yeah we're shooting magic at each other it's a bit more abstract and like philosophical than that yeah it's just a small thing it's i get it i don't it doesn't take me out it's just it's just something i thought of right at the end i only thought of it at the end when he gets when he becomes this strong mm-hmm. so it's not really anything that i think takes away from what he's doing but yeah i like that all that stuff with radial Teralda at, at maradon and like you said yeah Rand eventually shows up and and fights a whole basically an entire army by himself i think that's one of my favorite scenes because mm-hmm. he's like oh man He's like, I kind of sent you here to die, and I didn't really in- intend for, for, for you to not. I, I basically just thought you were going to die. I didn't really intend to save you or anything, but f- I feel pretty bad about it. So My bad. I think That's I'm going to roll off. Because you guys, because even his own uh, advisor was like, all right, so we should just leave it, right? Like, she's going to dip. And he's like, nah, you guys gave too much for this. I'm going to, the shadow's not going to have this city. And that's when he has this big display. Mm. Um, I like some of those side plots, like the stuff with Lan. So hit for the first He's not really in the Gathering Storm, is he? But in um, Powers of Midnight, he's he's basically riding to his death. So the whole series, we know that Lan has this, basically this death wish. Yeah, that he he you know he's from this fallen kingdom that uh, basically his homeland as a nation fell when he was a baby, and he carries that with him basically his whole life. Like he he is the the king of a country that no longer exists. Right, mm-hmm. he's got nothing no nothing to lead. So he just uh, as as is said by like this oath by all the borderlanders right and this oath that was spoken by his parents above his cradle that like if you can't you know protect whatever you can't protect you'll avenge right so he can't protect his homeland because it's gone so his whole life he's basically been determined to to die uh in the in the blight and now that's the last battle he's like ah perfect but his his wife naive one of our other main characters is like i don't think that's gonna happen yeah it's not a good time so she travels through all the borderlands and lets everyone know 
what he's intending to do so that an army rallies behind him. And this is this is a fun little subplot in the in the gather or the towers or towers of midnight. Mm. It starts with one guy being like, "Hey man, I want to come with you. You gonna turn me away?" And he's like, "I get get out of here, dumb idiot boy." And he's like, "My dad was a fucking Makiri." He's like, "I have his Hidori still." He's like, "I wear it, but there's no one left who can tell me if I am allowed." And he's like, "You gonna deny me? You're not gonna let me wear the Hidori of my father?" And it's basically this whole thing that Lan has to come to term with, which is like that it's selfish for him to be like, "I'm gonna go kill myself on this pointless task," but I wouldn't let anyone else do it because of how dumb it is. And it's like, yeah. "Hmm, maybe." hypocritical there think through the implications of that one for a bit so i like all of those scenes and especially that first one with the guy yeah who eventually dies uh fighting by land side in the, in the last battle unfortunately but yeah it's a good it's a good one um also in, in the towers of midnight we have uh rand apologizing to his dad for almost killing him yeah he says, i'm sorry father and he says it's all right son it's all right i've done so much that is terrible that's one of my favorite quotes he says nobody walks a difficult path without stumbling now and again it didn't break you when you fell. That's the important part. That's a good one. Because I, I was glad because when, when you're reading these, I had thought I had read something that said that he kills his dad, and I was like, oh, oh. fuck, he kills his dad? I was like, "What? how do we even come back from that? Good thing he didn't, because yeah. I was like, man, that would have been a bummer. Um, so Matt, Matt, for the first... Kind of meanders a he's, bit. Yeah, he's not doing a whole ton. He, him and Perrin don't really have complete plots in the first book, but in the Towers of, Mid- in Towers of Midnight, keep, see, now I'm doing it, Jay. Tricked you. So... He uh, meets back up with uh, Andor. His thing is his big contribution to to uh, the last battle, basically, at least at first, is uh, basically it comes up with cannons. So they're using cannons. Yeah. <laughs> He's invented cannons, so they're and, they're making those and testing them out. And he knows he has to go on the quest from Tars of Midnight, where he knows he has to to go save try to Moraine. save Moraine from uh, the Elfin and the Elfin. Mm. Uh, so they he goes does that basically. Rip- oh, before that, he beats up, he kills the uh, fucking snake. Snake guy was following him. What's that called? The golem. Oh, yeah, he kills the golem. He gets his. That's sir- a pretty. Actually, that's a it's quite a cool one. scene. Yeah, they- this guy's been hounding him for like I don't know six, seven books now. Yeah, <laughs> something some stupid. Kind of swords or something. And he's killed a couple people specifically that he met, knew, and loved. So this is fun scene where he's or I said say fun, but it's it's a powerful scene where he's like fighting him. Uh, and he's doing that thing he does, you know, he starts yelling in the old pong. Yeah. But the the honor of his blade for those who fell kind of thing. And I, I thought that was a cool moment. Yeah, he drop, they drop him down to like, they drop him through a um, skimming portal into the infinite yeah. abyss. Into the, yeah, into the, the unending void, basically. You say it's like honor of my blade for, uh, I think Nelesian is the one who's killed? I think so. Honor of my blade for Teslin, honor of my blade for the fallen. Mm-hmm. That's a cool scene. And then the, uh, I think the culmination of the, Eofan Elfin stuff's pretty good. Came, yeah. I think we both agreed it was it happened pretty quick. It was all within the manner of like what, like two chapters. Yeah, he, all kinda... he's he's like, all right, I got to towers a minute. I gotta get there. I gotta get there. Tower of Gahale or whatever. Oh, but, I'm here. And we're done. Which the, I guess like I guess there's only so long you can be like wandering oh, all, around. All the hallways change. Yeah. Oh, all these foxes are trying to get me. Because he's warned beforehand, like, oh, it could take you months. And it's like I guess you can't really write that in the book, right? So. Yeah. It's more about the confrontation when they they finally get to it and the way he uh, outsmarts them to an extent. But also the the big the bigger thing probably is that to a certain extent he doesn't outsmart them at all. They get exactly what they want from him. Yeah, he he knows what they're coming for, and he's also just willing to give it. And it's just very reflective of his character. Yeah, we uh, we've talked about it quite a few times, but like he's just he's just all like his, his whole the the whole thing of his character is that he pretends that he's not a hero, but he and is. he's like like oh I don't I don't really like doing any of that, but. 
he, he's really among like the most selfless of all the characters in the series. Mm. And he gives up his eye so they can save Moraine, and that part's pretty sweet. Yeah, they y- they yoink it right out. Uh, we get a fun little revelation of like what the sp- how how the spear comes into play. Yeah, because he's like, well, what did I wit? What did I get? He's like, okay, the three the things I asked for were like to get out, to be free of the eyes to die, and to get all to fill the gaps in my mind. He got two, but what's the third thing? And he realizes that his spear can break him out of the tower. So in a way, he he wins, and as he breaks out, it's implied that. Oliver is playing the the fox and snakes game, and he finally the game you famously in the within the context of the series you cannot win, and then he wins it. He goes, "Oh, I won it," which you're not supposed to be able to do. Which we assume either either coincides with Matt leaving or shows that Matt has like changed reality in in sure. some yeah. way, being the gambler. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's one of the weird things that he just came up with. It's like alien creatures that give you magic for sure. Just a weird thing. And they're cool, but. Don't super fit. feel like more of a Cosmere thing than a Wheel of Time thing. Perrin has a subplot in this. I guess he'll cross both these books, but primarily this one. And this is another, I, I know one of the bigger points of contention among people is that uh, Perrin's plot feels somewhat like a retread of some of his uh, earlier development earlier in the series, which is basically, he's like, I don't really want to be in charge. You guys all want me to be a lord and stuff. I really don't think I should. And, you know, Basically, across the course of the book, he just decides that he is cool with that. Yeah, he's not a blacksmith. He he likes being a lord. Uh, which I can see. Um, apparently, the thing is that, which this, again, this is one of the things that doesn't really make sense to me, but it's just like, oh, yeah, apparently Robert Jordan just didn't leave him that much to work with, which seems bizarre to me, right? That he just yeah. neglected to outline what he was going to do with one of his v- very Actually, primary characters. Yeah, one of the three guys. Like, yeah, I guess among the three yeah, I mean, literally among the three principal characters of the thing, right? He's, I mean, there's probably there's what I think six. I would say the yeah three characters, three boys, three girls, maybe seven, depending on. But he makes a top three. Basically. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know. I guess it could be. I mean, I, I I just don't know. But that always struck me as odd to be like, yeah, Brandon just had to wing it, and I don't think, and people think that he, you know, he didn't really execute it super well. Mm-hmm. It could also just be that the way he'd written it that he was just basically out of stuff for Perrin to do until the end. Like, he didn't mm. intend to have a different subplot for him to, to do. Yeah. I don't know. But he he's, meets up with Glad. He has this whole trial thing. Where he finally gets where he finally gets over all the stuff that happened in book one when Hopper dies. So, uh, that's all kind of cool. Hopper dies again. Slayer comes back, and that's that's his nemesis for the rest, rest of the story. series again. Yeah. The last two books here. Hopper dies in the dream and then dies in real life. Which is real bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently it was a dream, wolf dream, correctly. Uh, here's a fun scene with uh, Egwene, because Egwene's trying to stop Masana from doing the Black Tower. Yeah, Egwene gets up to a lot. She gets, yeah, uh, saying. She fights Egwene, uh, Masana and some Black Azure in the tower in Telonrioid, and Perrin shows up. She's like, Perrin, which is always fun, because I was waiting for the two dream characters to meet up in Dreamland. And he's like, Perrin, what the hell are you doing here? You should leave. He's like, well, no, you can't make me leave. I'm actually, do- I'm, I'm probably better at this than you are because I'm, I'm doing it differently. I'm doing it like wolf style. And there's a fun scene where he dissolves Balefire and shocks her. He's like, just a weave, who cares? And runs off and does Slayer stuff. Um, and then going a beast Masana through that. And then after he gets rid of Slayer that time, he forges a new hammer for himself and rediscovers power rend forging. So with the help of his Ashaman and the wise ones in the Aes Sedai that are under him, he forges a big, strong hammer that he like dedicates to Hopper. It was a pretty cool scene. I thought it was cool because he gets a nice new hammer. Sure. 
who's next? What does Elaine do? Does Elaine do much? And even Elaine don't do too much in these last two. Elaine doesn't show up, I don't think, in 12, does she? No, she doesn't. Uh, yeah. Also, there's the... We get a, quite a bit of Gawain in uh, Towers of Midnight. Our favorite guy. So, his whole thing is basically coming around to the idea that he's been an idiot this whole time. He's been the most annoying mm-hmm. fucking guy in the whole series. That... Not only was he on, like, the wrong side, but basically that he had no convictions at all. Yeah, he just did it because he thought he should. <laughs> he just kinda. didn't know what to do yeah. kind of thing. So, you know, it's it's good in the sense that he's, like, coming around. But, he, yeah, his, we do not find his character to be the most engaging, yeah. at least at first there. But he, I think he, it, it climaxes in an interesting way where he comes to save Egwene. And it kind of illustrates to the, each of them why they need each other and the role that they should fill in each other's lives. Where mm. she does need help, but also it needs to be on her terms kind of thing right yeah, like her her position is paramount for better or worse the more important thing um and he needs to accept that if he's gonna stick around and he does but he saves her from the sean chen assassins uh, at the same time that she's having this climactic duel with uh masan in the dream world and i think i i like that sequence a lot and then he's basically fatally wounded so she has to bond him to to save him which you know yeah. all pretty sweet um i don't know he's rand because he doesn't like poor yeah. people telling rich people what to do but he, he kind of comes around, and he's like, ah, oh, man, I guess I was an idiot for that. And then Wayne's messing with, uh, or Elaine's got those those black tower, those black Aja that are in Cryptomane. She makes a copy of Matt's thing, and it gets stolen, which is, doesn't turn out to be great. Yeah, not good. Uh, she almost, she gets, she gets kind of fucked up. She, she's she got a lot of bravado, and she's more bold, because she's like, well, Min said my, my uh, children will live, or are still in my womb, so I'll probably be fine. But she obviously neglects to mention that, like, just because they'll live doesn't mean she has to be all in one piece. She mm-hmm. could be horribly wounded or mutilated in any sort of way. Um, so she's kind of learned to take it a little easy. Um, and then I need figures out how to cure the taint. Yeah, out of the men. She does that. She can make it less crazy. She pulls all the weird spikes out of your head. And basically, book fourteen, the memory light, yeah. is. Pretty much, yeah, just well and truly... Wall-to-wall last battle. Wall-to-wall last battle. Like, we knew kind of the most notable things. There is a chapter called The Last Battle that's like... What did we say? It's like 80,000 words long? Yeah, it's 200 pages long for me, and it's like 80 POVs or 70 POVs. It's a shit ton of Oh, yeah, it's something like that. It's it's insane. Um, It's an an insanely long chapter. But as it turns out, pretty much the preceding, what, 25 chapters at least... Mm -hmm. And the following five or more chapters are all just still the last battle. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I remember we talked when we were talking about it before. We were like, well, there's going to be some build up, and they're going to do the last battle, and then they're going to do some wind down. But because I'm like, well, there's to be, yeah, not be very much on either side of it. Yeah, because it's like, well, Matt's, well, pa- Parent's going to forge a bunch of power rend stuff and give it to everybody, and then. It's a little more prep time, we thought. But yeah. Yeah, honestly, it loses its luster for me. After a little bit, like, which is crazy. I would have never thought that because I was, like, so excited for this idea of, like, oh, this, you know, it's going to be crazy long and it's going to be, yeah, just all this action and the battle and stuff. But it's one of those things where I think, you know, big climactic action, you know, set pieces like that are usually exciting because they're, you know, built up to built up to over time. But when you just have, yeah, the whole book is that. It's like, well, there's, I get it. Like, you're, you know, you're kind of spoiled for choice. I'm running at 10 the whole book, so I get kind of too used to it. Uh, the... The whole thing starts, the last battle starts with four different battlefields. Like, there's Kandor, which the Aes Sedai fight at. There's Tarwin's Gap, where Land is. Land and the Borderlanders are fighting. There's Camelin, where Elaine is fighting. And there's Shalgul, where Rand takes Rodel and 
most of the Aiel and some Ashaman with them to fight the Dark One. Um, so I was like, oh, it's four battles, four captains. Seems kind of like perfect. Uh, then we get a reveal that actually the bad guys, surprise, surprise, are fucking with all the captains and making them make bad choices. Like, not enough that you would notice unless you were really paying attention. Enough choices that, like, you could forgive, like, oh, they're just tired, but will add up to them being defeated. So they catch that. Um, and then eventually we all converge back where we start the book at uh, the fields of, I don't remember the name of the field. Marilor. Marilor. So they're all there. Uh, Matt goes off and grabs a Shan Chan, brings him back, and then everybody's there to fight. This kind of gets to what I thought was going to happen earlier, which is Matt gets to be in charge of the whole the whole army, yeah, the whole army of light, because that's his whole thing, basically. Whole, what, son you of know, battles. It seemed like he was kind of being being groomed for that at a certain point, which is like he's the basically the greatest tactician who's ever lived, yeah, because he has all of like the greatest the great, memories all put together. Like he's just. So I was like, this seems like he was kind of purpose built for this, right? If they all have a role to do in this, it seems like he's supreme kind of commander. So that's cool. But it, yeah, it takes a lot to build up to that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. again, it's like that's the 35th chapter or something in the book. And, you know, so we're all building. And again, a lot of that, they're, they are fighting. But it turns out like most of these other, or not even most, like all these other battlefields are end up being kind of Moot. irrelevant. You know, there's not as much like character stuff because that's usually it would be my counter to that, right? Yeah. It's like okay, well they were you know, but it's there's not a ton of ton more character growth to be had. In yeah, right ones. at the end here. Um, maybe the bigger one, the biggest one, maybe is, is Cowan is among there, right? He's got some stuff, but it, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of POVs either in this in the lead up. Yeah. Um, you know, we get new stuff about the Sharans. That's probably one of the biggest things in this last book. Yeah, they show they're, up. They're introduced as a completely new um Fact. facet of the world here. We get we we've had slight mentions of them, but never their names. Like Rand hears about a kingdom far to the east, past the waste that like has seen their own signs and is falling to ruin. He's like, well, that sucks. People don't even know are falling apart because I'm the dragon and all that. But again, they don't. And then I think Noel mentions them once or twice. Oh, we found out Noel's Jane Farstrider. In case that we was ever that. a mystery. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. We knew that. Yeah. Um, and then they're all led by Demondred. They call mm-hmm. like Boyd the Whirl. Bold the world or something? Yeah, some title. They just call him like I think it's just like Ball, basically. It's the way they pronounce it in the audiobook. Oh yeah, so he's he's the great leader of the Dark One's army, and he's kind of he just has Mazarin with him, and then Grendel and uh, as Grendel is fighting up, and Shell Ghoul and Moradin is with Rand. Mm-hmm. So and Mogadine's just doing whatever she does. Parent spends the last book basically fighting in the Wolf Dream with Gaul, fighting uh, Slayer, and he eventually does get to beat him, which is cool. Mm. Um, Egwene's leading the Aes Sedai for it, and that she culminates in a big fight with Mazrum Taim, uh, where she comes up with this like incredible, powerful new weave of her own making called the Flame of Tarvalon, which is acts as a counter to Belfire, right? Because the Belfire is being used too frequently that it threatens to destabilize the pattern itself and just yeah. kind of destroy the world inadvertently, even. Um, so she kind of is able to seal up the cracks in that, but it, uh, she she basically brings in too much of the power and dies. Which she... yeah, she turns them into a big crystal, but she kills all four hundred of the channelers from the Sharns and Maserin. Pretty surprising. I don't think either of us expected her to die. Yeah, I didn't think so either. There's a few of those. Uh, obviously, Egwene's isn't is given. I think the proper fanfare for the most part. But there's definitely a number of deaths in in the uh, last book that just happen. Yeah, uh, that I was very very surprised by. Notable ones: Swan. Yeah, Swan Sanche and Garth Brynn in particular, I think. 
um, you know, you just think, come back in these books, Swan Sanche was a, was a, one of the more significant POV characters, right? Yeah. In terms of like side characters, right? You know, not one of the main ones for sure, but she's kind of, she's in a lot. Yeah. Kind of like approaching that. I was surprised by how little she was used in these, in these last three. Yeah. I and say. it felt very sudden to me where meant she just, she's sent there to like go check she's on She's killed by like a fireball or something. Yeah. Least. But like yeah. even before that word, like men's like, oh, actually my viewing is still in effect. It's, it's not just one thing. It's actually always, and you always have to stay near him. And I've never mentioned that once. Feels like a, an, a, an important thing to bring up. Because in the Gathering Storm, there's this moment that seems to be it, where uh, he saves her from uh, one of the blood knives, but then she's there to heal him from the poison of it. And it's like, oh, look at we just saved each other. That, yeah. that was convenient. We have a fun. We also have a fun. Lo- there's a fun little moment there where they're like, but if we'd never met each other, would we even be here? And she's like, I don't think we're supposed to think that deeply. <laughs> so yeah, I. I guess there's just too many to really get through. Um, yeah. And give them all, like... Proper dissection. Perhaps. Um, you know, I mean, because also... What's his name? Um, Bashir and his wife die. And, you know, Bashir had a good number of POVs throughout the books. So yeah, big a fan few. of Bashir. So, and he just kind of dies without a lot of fanfare either. So, I uh, guess it kind of makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's just like, well, I got to kill somebody. But I got to yeah. cut people Egoine down. in particular, again, I mean, she's one of my favorite characters. Like, and there's so much... And I guess maybe they kind of jinxed her, but there's so much said throughout the series about how she could go on to be the greatest Somerlin of all time and serve for the longest and how she basically has this, can have this, you know, hundred centuries long career and, and really be a port, po- positive you know, force, force in the world, force for good. And the way it kind of sets up in the last couple of books here is, is that I think she lays a lot of the groundwork for that anyways. Um, Yes. Which is probably intentional that that they're able to get so much in. And when we talk about this, there is kind of a lack of falling action in this book. But I think they he does a good job in the you know lead up to the last battle in kind of showing you everything that is going to happen. Yeah, or at least tell, I think if you, you what you can expect. Yeah, if you you know he doesn't have a big wrap up end of the Lord of the Rings type thing where and then he went here and they did this and then they lived happily ever after here and all that. But if you if you look at what you know all the pieces that are in play, you can kind of see okay. You know, the Sean Chan are going to do this, and the, you know, mm-hmm. Andor's going to do this, and, and pretty much all of our principal characters have their kind of next step, I think, so all the ones that set live. up pretty well. Yeah, in a way that you can, with pretty reasonable, uh, reasonably assume where they're all going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is done pretty well, ultimately. Like, at first I was disappointed, but I, I really thought of it, and I'm like, well, what, you're just going to tell me things I, I think I already know yeah, if I, for the if most if part. Yeah, if I thought about it a little bit. Um, one thing we didn't mention, I f- we were, we kind of skipped over, is Avienda uh, has a vision. All right, this is really interesting. Yeah, she sequence. goes back to Rudion because they're like, "Well, you did the wise one thing. You stood up for yourself. So now to be a full wise one, you have to go back to Rudion." She passes through the gates a second time, and she sees what she's supposed to see about um, the beginning of the Aiel. And she remarks how like it's not as interesting as she thought it would be, and all that. And then she remembers her like talent, and she does something to the gateways, and kind of switches them or changes them in some way and instead of going back to the past as far as it goes she starts from his f- the her, the end of her bloodline far into the future and works all the way backwards and in it we find out that in this uh alternate timeline it's kind of the worst thing that can happen besides losing the last battle so this one's assumed that they win but the shan chan take over wage war against everyone else in the continent and win the White Tower falls. All our characters that we know and love are assumedly dead or captured. 
um, and the Aiel are scattered and destroyed pretty thoroughly by the Shanchan or the Raven Empire, as they call them at this point. Yeah, they're kind of the Raven Empire. Yeah, they basically, it's, like you said, it's kind of the worst case scenario. She sees it from the perspective of the Aiel, but yeah, they conquer the whole the whole world, basically. Destroy Andor, the White Tower Falls. Yeah, every every institution and character that we would know, like I just said, we, we have an idea of where they should end up. Mm. It all kind of becomes for naught. Um, and so then she takes the necessary steps to avoid that, and it seems like that should be the case. Again, we can't really know, but... Yeah, it, it's... There's a little bit where it's she says that like this this particular future feels more real than the other visions, but I assume that based on the thing the the big problem of it is that the Aiel, as the whole series has happened, have nothing to do. Rand doesn't give them anything really to do. He doesn't know what to do with them, so he just doesn't. Well, no, he gives them stuff to do all series. The the problem is that That's after the last battle, they have nothing to do. Oh, yeah, I guess it's true. They don't like, like their they... existence has been built is. Like as the reason they exist the way they do and have for literal millennia is for this moment, and so then once it arrives, They're what done. are they going to do? Right? Yeah, the, the, the three full land really has no purpose. Their whole way of life has been to prepare. As they they kind of all come to realize, their whole way of life has been to prepare for the last battle. Once they win, they don't need to go back to basically preparing preparing them. Where they preparing themselves for right? Mm. Um, and they need something different to do, and that's what he gives them. So he. Oh, we didn't really talk about because it, it happens earlier in the book. But he sets up the dragon's piece, which are like makes the UN. He basically makes the yeah me- medieval UN, where he gets all the countries and all the leaders to agree to basically not do war anymore, right? Which again is, I mean, it's kind of what the UN is, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're all just gonna kind of chill with the borders we have now. You can't be going to war with each other. If the the terms are that if anyone you know attacks, then everyone else just turns on them. So you you realistically can't do war anymore because. Yeah. Can't if you try to attack one country, yeah, the rest should all attack you. And it's basically just to ensure that there can actually be lasting peace after he's, he's dead. And, it, you know, they don't win the last battle just to go back to immediately fighting amongst each other. Yeah. And then he, at first he didn't want, he didn't include the Aiel because they're not part of the world. And then Avin is like, well, you know, you have to. So they, he makes them the peacekeeping force. So they will they will enforce the... Uh, yeah, because they don't have any allegiance to any country... They only serve the dragons, so it makes sense they serve the dragon's piece. Uh, he gets he gets um, too on to sign it, even though she's awful through these books. She's just horrible. Yeah, she never really gets better, and this is a whole thing where apparently he had a sequel series of books planned that would have dealt specifically with with her and and the Shan Chan, and that that obviously just never got to get written. But yeah. it's it seems like kind of a glaring absence. I don't know. Again, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody who would say it's probably, you know, Brandon Sanderson's fault, but I I don't know. I, I think... I feel like not enough is done. Because we've said, yeah. like, not enough is done before then. Like, uh, yeah. if you want... If, if Robert Jordan truly wanted to be resolved within the main story, it would have started sooner. So, yeah. Again, as he's... I, I get that, that, like, oh, this was going to be resolved, but I don't know if that's a great excuse either way. Yeah. Just be like, I was oh, gonna if do, you read more books, you would get it. I would do it later in another story outside of the, the themes and context of this story that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And there's all this stuff about like these unfilled prophecies that would have probably tied into it about how they were going to get rid of. Uh, they're probably just going to completely get rid of the concept of demonies and stuff, anyways, and 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 restructure their whole empire. But we just are not going to see that, unfortunately. Yeah, there's there's a cool moment though between Egwene and Tuan where uh, obviously they're very they have a lot of tension because they hate each other uh, for good reason. At least Egwene does, and Tuan's like, "Well, no, you got to let you should you should just tell everyone." All the guys to die that they should just come and get called by us because they should want to. They're gonna want to once we tell them 
that they need to be. She's like, okay, well then release all the ones who don't want to be Kyra anymore. And obviously, Tuan doesn't like that because then she's losing. And obviously, and then Egwene reveals that actually she was a Damani, and now she's the Armalin. So Tuan's like, this isn't good. This is kind of undermining my own strength and power, and this is going to spread. And not again, not much comes from this because we don't have time because we have to do the entire last battle immediately when this happens. Um, but I thought it was a fun scene because mm-hmm. Tuan's the worst. But I agree, and that's the scene where people point to to be like, look how terrible Egwene is and how... She's mean she's, to the slaver she's lady. She's mean and an idiot for acting like a sound like It's pretty justified to me. You'd be pretty angry about someone who ran the slave country who enslaved you. I think so. Even irrationally so? Probably could be excused, I yeah, would argue. I think so. Again, all of the characters are flawed. Many of them rather deeply and, and, and you know, in ways that they display quite frequently. For mm-hmm. some reason with Egwene, it's like, I don't She's irredeemable. Basically. Yeah. Like that. Um, like basically, her- the, the final battle, if we want to do that, like, with Rand is kind of spiritual it's yeah again it's more spiritual it's more abstract it's him like you know for the last couple books he gets this idea in his head where he can kill the the dark one and that's and so it doesn't have to repeat right yeah because he's like well everything's a cycle so if i just kill him then he never gets to come back and we just get to have peace forever and he realizes that the reason the dark one exists basically is you know it's like the problem of evil kind of thing Mm -hmm. it's a free choice type type thing where if you remove the capacity for people to do evil especially if you take that you know, to its most extreme kind of definition where people can't even be unkind or duplicitous anymore. Yeah. You're not really alive, right? Yeah, you can't. Sort of goodness doesn't mean anything. And there's no badness to compare yeah, it to. In the, in the complete absence of, of yeah, evil, right? Mm-hmm. If, uh, if no one can choose to be, you know, even like annoying or, you know, just a little selfish. Yeah then they're not really complex humans any longer. And so he's like, ah, I can't do that. Because <laughs> if you rob everyone of that choice, you're just doing the same thing. Mm. Again, you have to, as, you know, as kind of backwards as it sounds, but like you have to have the choice to do evil for, for the choice to do good to mean anything. Or again, or it's not, even a, it's not even a choice. Yeah, you're just doing whatever. You're doing nothing. Which I think was kind of true. And I kind of called that, like, because I, I remember way back when I was like, if this is a universe that explicitly has a creator, right? And if the dark one, or if the creator seemed to have seems to be all series, like of of a of a tier above the dark one, like they don't, they don't. I don't know, something the about creator. this show, it's, or this series, it's never presented like they're equals. I remember no. early on, I was like, so it seems like the creator has to exist because this stuff all exists. But then why doesn't he show up? Why is the dark one here? Like, why does he let the dark one exist? And it's like, oh, it's a free will thing. So I remember like when Rand started talking about how he he's gonna kill the dark one. I was like, I feel like that's not gonna come to pass it's not gonna work out like he thinks because you can't you can't yeah again you can't remove people's ability to choose so i think that all deploys plays out well basically the big uh culmination of that is he just has to combine it all together right it's about like it's you know it's like a harmony type thing i guess yeah, unity. The, fuck you get it. the north and the south he's got to get the, the sidene and the sidar, sidar and the, the true power all and what he does is he doesn't kill the dark one he doesn't seal him out he seals him back in yeah, he tra- he puts him so deep that he's a more interwoven. Just brings him back into the fold instead of this outside, like entity. separate entity who is exerting influence onto the the pattern. He's just part of it. He's just a you know. He, and he kind of comes to realize that it's like their conception of it is probably flawed to begin with. He's not the enemy. He's not, or he's not. It's not even really a he, right? Yeah, it's just, it's it, not a it's not a individual or a, anything as much as just kind of like a primordial like force, like an intent of like. You know, yeah, vague like evilness, but if you just shove it back in, it's just part of that, right? It's just mm. 
yeah, sort of an evil, you know, the evilness that is interwoven into all life, for better or worse, right? Yeah, for sure. Instead of like, yeah, this this dark force that's ex- trying to exert control. And so presumably going forward, it'll just be it'll just be kind of normal again for yeah. a while. Wow. You know, for a while there at the end of the Age of Legends, they had like a genuine utopia. So they, they didn't know what sword fighting was. They're probably ways off from that, but uh, yeah, they'll get back to it. Something to strive for, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I like the idea that Rand is concerned with his, uh, one of the other terms of his uh, Dragon's Peace is that he wants to set up schools everywhere and, and yeah. foster like learning and, and all that. Knowledge, because he's like, well, we can't lose. Can't yeah, lose he, above all else, he wants to prevent a break, another yeah. breaking happening where he saves the world only for it to, you know, be ruined for hundreds of years again. Mm. Uh, what are this? Yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of fights scattered around. There's you know? a bunch of fights. There's a bunch more duels. Gawain dies. Did we talk about that. Gawain. Oh yeah. There's a. There's. I, I, this is a that factor I don't really love in this final book here. Is that Demon Dread, who is among the most powerful Forsaken and has the most powerful Sangreal I think we ever see, and is part of the a uh, different society. largest maximum circle you can have. So he should, by all rights, be basically as strong as anyone could conceivably be. Besides Rand, right at the end. Yeah. Besides. Yeah. Exactly. Or Rand under those same conditions, right? If he mm. had that, but he is instead fought. Uh, he fights. He has three subsequent sword fights. Sword fights, and then he, or and then he kicks the shit out of Loghain. Yeah, he beats up Loghain in the middle there. But other than that, he has three sword fights, mano y mano, with our three best sword fighting characters. Um, where Gawain is killed, Gawain is mutilated. Yeah, Galad is mutilated, and uh, Lan ultimately gets him, which is cool. And and they have a decent enough explanation for why. He has to resort to the sword fight. And in addition to him being like a, you know, narcissistic, arrogant kind of douchebag who's like, well, I got to prove that I, I don't even need to use magic on you. Yeah. But it just, I don't know, it just feels weird. <laughs> I agree. Something I- about it, just the way that it's literally just like three guys subsequent, like one after another. There's just this parade of, of men riding up to him to have a, a quick sword fight with him. And the first two go so poorly. It kind of, because then I'm like, I mean, I get that Lance cool and all and I, nothing against him, but. Yeah, we're big fans of them. It's just weird to be like these two guys who are also great sword fighters. Just they, they just get beat up. Like Gawain, Gawain's death is like nothing. Like there's yeah. no, re- it serves no real purpose. Just to be like, Gawain, especially because uh, the arc he has at the in the previous book is not to do stupid shit like that. Is explicitly to like put his own pride aside to to be to be there for a Gawain kind of thing, and he does yeah. something that is stupid and ultimately fruitless. Like, and I guess that I mean it's the point, but I don't. I don't know how to feel about that, right? Yeah. And I also feel like Robert Jordan makes a point that when the Black Tower was created, they also learned how to sword fight. So it would have made sense if, like, he has to fight a channel who can also sword fight. Cause then they're, and they're channeling and sword fighting? Yeah, because they're doing both. Because it's like, well, that's why you'd give them swords. even though why? We, and then Mazarin doesn't want to use swords because he's like, well, why do we need them? And then, you know, combining both. Something like that. But yeah, I did think it was weird that, like, the only channeler gets absolutely mollywopped and they're like, eh, not doing anything else. Because there aren't really any other channelers he can use. Because Egwene mm-hmm. has a dies shortly after, right before this happens, cause she, and then kills Mazarin. So those two are off the board. Rand took all the other strong ones and sent them up. And Loghain's the only one who could, again, he knows feasibly fight them. It's just I don't know. Yeah, it's not even like I I dislike the idea of say Land defeating him in a in a duel. I think there is something kind of cool about that, and especially with like the setup of the medallion and everything. It's just something about. Yeah, all three of them in a row. One after, and they all Seems, get almost. They so all almost weird. die. One of them dies. Yeah. The other two almost die. Again, I just don't. I don't think Gawain's death is like super any, anything. 
Yeah. And again, like I suppose there's something realistic to the idea that like, well, he goes gets an overhead and is die and he dies, but like that doesn't mean I want to see it in my book, kind of thing. You know? Yeah. And plus, we I guess you said we got past that. Yeah. Exactly. He he already got it. Kind of regresses a little for for the needs of this the plot in that moment. So yeah, he puts those rings on. And is like, well, I guess I'll die right now. Uh, I guess we'll speaking of uh, dying in the end. Logan, you know, I was gonna say. Oh yeah. I do like the resolution to that kind of subplot, which is basically the Black Tower and everything. So oh, yeah. the last book, Loghain is obsessed with this, like, asserting their power. And, and you know, he wants um, Angrial and powerful artifacts to, to defend themselves and to, to be strong, um, to prove. That they can stand on their own. That, yeah, they're not to be trifled with kind of thing. Um, and ultimately, what he learns instead is that if they're just kind of just kind of cool and chill, nice guys they're just kind of nice guys about it like they do good deeds and 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 just actually just help people not intimidate them then uh it turns out that kind of works better than anything yeah and like people come to appreciate them as uh they, they don't see it as a curse anymore they, exactly as as like a yeah a, yeah. a helpful you know institution mm-hmm. something to be respected and like not not feared yeah and that's that's going to be the path forward for the the black tower presumably under his Rain. leadership and that'll be i think the glory that he finds right yeah yeah is leading you know the, the black tower is a place of like respect and pride not fear and fear and power power and you know in the last book here after Rand has his own epiphany he's like sends him a message he's like hey guys sorry i've not been around i've been kind of an absentee dad to y'all but <laughs> you're not weapons maybe remember i told you all maybe weapons? you guys should be men and it's and the whole uh we talked about this quite a bit you and i but the whole the whole journey of the ashaman is, is really interesting and they're Probably the most, one of my favorite aspects of the whole series is, mm-hmm. you know, their beginning is like, oh, you know, this, they're basically, they're basically an oppressed group. In, yeah. In Second the, class the citizens. Time, right? Yeah. Men who can channel have like no rights, you know. You're, they're killed. For better or worse, I mean, it kind of, to an extent, there really is no choice to be had about it. But yeah, you basically get rounded up and killed for, uh, you know, some circumstances entirely outside of your control, mm-hmm. right? Just for the, the circumstances of your birth, they'll come get you. And uh, so for them to kind of reclaim their agency and be like, you know, hey, we're, we're not going to we don't want to like just lay down and die. Right. Yeah. And they all make a decision basically that at least we'll die doing something productive. And then how that evolves over the series, which the cleansing of the taint and stuff. And now they actually have they can have futures, too. And, and yeah. now this all all these different ideas intermingle. And they're like, yeah, they just eventually I think the way it ends off is is, is pretty cool. Yeah, which I, is they're not going to just be weapons, but that they can be a force of genuine good. And again, that they they've come full circle to like they can coexist with the Aes Sedai, as we see with you know a lot of them bonding, bonding. one another, and they can uh, they can just do their own thing. Yeah, I I think uh, one thing that the only good I guess you could say about Avienda's uh, visions is that it said that the Black Tower keeps fighting. Mm-hmm. They fight for as long as possible, so they keep they have some semblance. They don't fall because they can't be collared. I assume is the implication there. Um, so that's good on them. Yeah, yeah. Black, I, as much as we felt that he neglects the Black Tower, I think either either by Brando's own hand or by Robert Jordan's plan, he brings them together and gives them a pretty solid end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, Pat and Fane does some stuff and Matt gets them, and that's yeah. kind of all the book gets to it anyway. Uh, so then the big, really, the end here because we're getting along the tooth, I think. Uh, is Rand, his ultimate end. So he tricks Moradin, kind of, and he's like, ooh, I actually have Kalandor. And obviously I don't think Moradin knows the trap. He thinks he's can. He pulls a bunch of the true, true power into it, and because whoever holds it is beholden to the women 
who is bonded to it, i.e. Moraine and Nynaeve, who are with Rand in uh, Shalgul, uh, they control him, and Rand leads the circle, so he controls them all. So like you said, he seals the Dark One away, and then he escapes with him and Morden's body. And then all of a sudden, he can't he can't heal his body. He can't Rand can't he's be healed. He's mortally wounded. Yeah, all his his wounds are open. He's 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 done a feat that no human being has ever done ever. So he basically his body can't sustain him, and then he dies, quote unquote. And everyone's sad. Flynn, who now down an arm, is real bummed about it, and so is Nynaeve and Moran, but not his three girlfriends. So this is stuff which we know for sure uh, was laid out explicitly and the very last section we get with rand which is it the i think it may be the very the very last section of anything yes it's rand um that was written by robert Robert jordan directly so makes sense yeah this stuff we we all get um but it's basically that he doesn't die he just switches bodies with morden and um fucks off his they burn his body on a pyre but it's actually got i guess morden's soul in it something like that or whatever essence and yeah his, his girlfriends all know because of the bond they have um and a number of the other characters figure it out very figure quickly. out what's going on Perrin and matt figure it out it seems uh what's her name cad swain and, and nynaeve as well and basically he can no longer channel but he also seems to have uh better something. some other kind of power control yeah. or something or another and uh, he's basically just going to, like, set out and, I don't know, explore. He wants to see the rest of the world and without, you know, being beholden to all the duties of yeah. Dragon Reborn and just kind of live his life now that he's, you know, s- saved the world for everybody. Yeah. They've done a big thing. I think he deserves a little vacation. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we were talking probably just, he's probably not really a person anymore in the sense. Yeah. It's like probably a being of the power of, of, of the one it's, true source or something. I could even see it as being this type of thing, which doesn't really make sense or mean anything. But like I, I could see the logic being that because he saw the inner workings of the pattern, he just understands how to manipulate it. I don't know, like, you know, how, like yeah. by what mechanism. But he has some, some kind of deep understanding of the fabric of reality that he just knows how to. He, he just thinks things mess and they with occur. It. Yeah, he can just will things into being. Mm-hmm. I think so, something to that effect, basically. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't know how really where, but again, that was something he wrote directly. And I think even uh, Brandon Sanderson has been like, yeah, we're not, that's not really crystal clear. Yeah. Nothing in his notes said anything about it. I was like, Harry, what's going on with this? It just says he lights a light. He can't channel and he doesn't have a match, but he just lights a pipe with something. His magic pipe? It just blights itself, basically. It felt a little silly because I took that too much at face value. And I was like, he just gets a magic pipe? What the fuck? <laughs> and, then I, and then I went and read and someone was like, I think he's actually the embodiment. I'm like, oh, that, that actually makes way more sense. Yeah, there's also this character um, which, as he's pulling more dragging down. himself out of the out of Sheol Ghoul there, or out of the, the Pit of Doom, just a character we we don't know or we'll, we we see once earlier with Avienda, with Avienda who she gives him, she gives Avienda all this like you know, well-reasoned, sagely wisdom. And then she just, she just says, like, yeah, uh, that's that's her supposed to do, Rand. Good job. And then we never see her again. And apparently that's another one where it's just like, yeah, she didn't say, who, he he did not say at all who this was supposed to be. Um, just that it was a familiar voice and it was an old Aiel lady. And it, she says this to Rand and that's it. And he just doesn't have really any context. So he, you know, he invented this scene with Avienda and it's just like, I guess it'll be the same. And uh, yeah, apparently the way he interprets it is that that's some kind of, avatar for the creator given 
going around giving good advice. But yeah, yeah I, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's like we just can't really know exactly what the intention was. But mm-hmm. overall, I think it, I think it works because you and I talked about how you can't. I don't think you can actually set up for 14 books that your character's going to die in the climax of your whole series at the end and then just have that happen. Yeah. Because that's nothing then, right? Not that everything has to be a surprise, but to a certain extent, yeah, I don't know if you can telegraph something that hard and then just follow through with it and and have that be interesting to anybody. So It'd just be depressing. Yeah. We kind of knew there was going to be some other factor here. And and there was, because, I mean, there was all the, like, he's got a... Die and live again. Die to live again and, and all this other stuff. He's going to get, someone's going to help him die, quote unquote. So, and, and all that comes to pass in, in different interesting kind of ways mm. where, where we're kind of, you know, little, little double speak and twisting the words of it all around, but it, it works out. Yeah. And now I guess he can just go off and venture the world. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. We were talking about, I assume that he might fix Shina, uh, Shara, China, Shara, Shara. Yeah. There's, um, I saw a theory that basically the prophecies that they have in Shara, which um, Demandre. Demandre basically falsely kind of fulfills some of to get the support of them, they are actually, of course, they are intended for Rand, of course, but the theory is, is that they're actually intended for Rand after the, last, the battle. last battle. Like he can go over there now and fulfill them because he he's finished his supposedly because part of it's killing the dragon, I guess. So which is what he's done, and, and he has a something about channeling without channeling kind of thing, which seems to be kind of what he can do now. Hey, and then. So. Tamandra could fuck with that with the true source. Yeah. Yeah, that's how he was tricking him. So. Cool. Cool. And then hopefully he goes back to his family. And that's what I said. Uh, yeah. Is that because he didn't actually die, I think it would be strange if he remains absent from his children, <laughs> twins, and then his quadruplets. Like quadruplets. Yeah. Uh, Even though, we, and especially when he's like, I'm really excited to be a me, Randall Thor, be a dad. I Yeah. So. I don't know. It's it's unclear, you know, what might have possibly happened in, in Avienda's vision future. Mm. He it literally could have just been in that version. He really did die more completely. I don't know, but yeah, or never came back. Or... Yeah, it seems weird that he would be like, "Well, I just gotta. I'm just gonna go hang out." Like I get that he wants peace and all, but and 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 part of it as well that he knows no matter what, he can't live forever, right? Yeah, and so he doesn't want to be like a a leader or a king or anything. He doesn't want people to follow him actively. Um, you know. Because if they come too reliant on like, well, we got to be held in line by the Dragon Reborn, then they're never really standing on their own. Yeah. But ultimately, he's got to return to his, his life family. at some point. I think his friends and family. Yeah. I was. It'd be nice if he left it. Let his dad know that like he didn't actually yeah, die. Yeah. The dad thing. I was like, man, that kind of sucks for his dad. Yeah. Again, his girlfriend's known no matter what. I guess, but maybe they'll, maybe they'll bring old Tamil Thor up to speed. Yeah. Why do you have three girlfriends? I don't know. Unclear. Never really was like. I thought it was like a Kalandor thing. Necessary, yeah. He doesn't use them, them in like any kind of climactic payoff. It's just I mean, a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, so anything else to say? <sighs> I mean, they're just good books, man. Overall, yeah, probably I, going I mean, for even longer. But please do, please do have read them for sure. I had a good time on this this journey. Yeah, I'd say so. I um, I do think there's something you know, like anytime you finish a series of whatever books or. TV show or anything. There is something bittersweet about getting to the end. Now you know. You, yeah, you'll always you know. know. You'll always know. Like there's something about being like, I wonder what the last battle is going to be like. Yeah. I wonder what Matt's going to do. Not to, and again, not to say it was bad or anything, but I suppose. I mean, nothing could be. Maybe nothing can match that. You know. Yeah. I mean, you can't hype something up for 14 books and then get everyone to be happy. Yeah. And actually, pay off. It's like I said when we were talking about One Piece recently, right? 
I think as much as I'm sure you will enjoy it, I think some part of you is going to be disappointed whenever One Piece is finished because it's not. There's no more One Piece to be had. I'll be sad for sure. I'll probably kill myself. <laughs> like even if even if he does almost as good a job as you could possibly expect and get almost everything you'd want, it's just like yeah, but now there's no. Yeah, I, there's no next there's just thing. nothing else to it. Yeah, like it's all we're not building towards anything else because we've we've Done finished. Yeah. So you know it's gonna be the same way with Starlight, but luckily that'll take the hundred that better part of our lives. Yeah, so. yeah, almost as long as One Piece. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you leak leaky faucet over here. Don't fucking say that. They the listeners have no context for this. That's why it sounds weird to say. Ah, uh, well, it's staying in. So yeah, good time. So I'll probably wrap it up right about here. Uh, so always, thanks so much for listening. Uh, you can always find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Architect Jazz, Architect J A Z, on Gmail at Architect Jazz at Gmail dot com, or on Instagram at The Architect Podcast. Our logo was done by Jeffrey Gonzalez. Our intro was done by friend of the show Joey B Music. Uh, and as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Say good night to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night. Godspeed.